Yo, we're back, man. It's first smoke of the day, episode 56 today. It's your boy, Pat Gods in the building. I'm here with my co-host, Blackleaf. What up, what up? We got a special guest in the building today, my man, Doc, from Oni Co. What's good, homie? How are you? Living the dream. One man. day at a time. Living the dream. How was it getting here? It's a bitch. It was yeah. a bitch. LA traffic ain't no joke coming from the Central Coast. People don't get that. They don't understand how bad LA can be traffic-wise. It's like... It'll say like four miles, 52 minutes or something, or like 38 minutes. And you're like, how is this possible? I mean, I'm here three days a week, but still like it never ceases to amaze me how angry I'll get driving here. And I'm like, I don't understand how you motherfuckers can live here, but I'm here half the time. Like I, I live here. It's like the Mecca, like you talked about. It's like if you are serious about cannabis, you come through L.A. You aggregate to LA. This is where the real hustlers meet up. This is where you sink or swim. And I didn't seen a lot of them come and sink. LA will chew you the fuck up. Some kid from Ohio, Instagram trapping, come out here to LA with his little 80 bands or whatever. And then like, just get chewed up, spit out back home. Yeah. It's See a you tough later. Business. Super tough. But then I seen some of them come out here and like just boink, like create go, the big some of the biggest rosin companies in the co- in the yeah. country. Create you know, I mean, dude, like some of the stuff we're smoking on now, crazy man. You bought so much dope shit. I love the I love the brand, everything that it stands for. But most most importantly, your journey goes back a long ways, a really long ways, really long ways. Yeah, yeah. Let's start to talk about that. I mean, obviously, it started with the first time you ever smoked weed. Okay, so the first time I ever smoked weed was in Larkspur, Colorado. I was 13, so what is that, 1995, 94, something like that? 95. I was at the Renaissance Festival. At 13? Working, working. Okay. My father did Pewtersmith, and I was working, so like Renaissance fairs, during the Renaissance Fair is a Renaissance Fair. During the week is a hippie camp festival of drugs, sex, and debauchery. And uh, here I am, this 13-year-old kid. I'm sitting in the back of a booth in a sky chair hanging out. And some guy pulls out this bud that looked like a Christmas tree. It just... The airy ass, ugly fucking bud, but, but I'd never seen weed. And I, I got high as fuck. And then I had to walk like a mile back to where my family was camped through a Renaissance festival with nobody there. So it's just like this empty Renaissance festival scene. And uh, yeah, that was the first time I ever smoked weed. It's trippy. Yeah. It was, so it, the, it was dude, very the, trippy. the dude was just like, what up, kid? You want to you get high or no, what? No, no. Like, I was hanging out with some chick that was a couple of years older than me. And she's like, we're going over here. I mean, there's there were several people there. But, like, yeah, I was the youngest person there by far. And uh, I was just trying to get laid or something. And That's a cool, though, that your dad was doing pewter smithing. Yeah. That's really dope, man. Yeah. Like, I used to love going to uh, those fairs, medieval fairs. I mean, every kid loves that shit. That's like the dopest shit ever. But My dad is a mold maker. He worked for uh, Museum Services in Florida. 
for all the shit for Universal Studios, and then he went into to the like pewter goblets, and then eventually, interesting, uh, it's one of the largest sex toy manufacturers in North America, Tantus, Tantus Silicone. So, and then he retired like a few years ago. It just shows you wow. know, where it starts and where it ends <laughs> right. can be completely <laughs> different. Your journey through life you make, you're making like Universal Studio stuff. Next thing you know, you're like, wow, this is, took a left turn. But yeah. for the better, obviously, now if you can retire. <laughs> like, it's, it's just nuts. World's biggest dildo. <laughs> yeah. Working like, on a big I, project. When I, I, we're jumping a lot very far in the yeah. story, but um, I ended up going to prison for growing dope in uh south carolina they wouldn't release me without an address and my mom wasn't down to give the, the I, she just was not and my dad had to give an address and i had to have a job so i literally went from like weed grower to working in a dildo factory filling molds of silicone that, that's that, that, a journey like, <laughs> like right after Going to prison. Bro, when we read through your bio, it was like, wow, what a journey. I mean, it, it goes from like a lot of ventures, a lot of business, a lot of uh startups. Not easy. Yeah. That's the that's the hardest part almost to get something from zero to a hundred or zero to running itself or success. Yeah, it's I mean, but you don't get good at that until you've fucked up so many that until you've learned so like I don't know. There's a lot of kids out here that have like these overnight successes or they, they try one thing and it really works. But like the guys that truly have the longevity and the track record and can consistently do it across the entire platform, the entire ecosystem of weed. Uh, those are the guys that have been kicked in the teeth a ton of times. And you learn, you learn how to fight. You learn how to climb. You learn what to do. You learn what not to do. So it's like there's not a lot of guys out here that have done that. But I've, I've kind of from when I started growing weed in 97 to now, I've always like had some like tenacious thing inside me to, to further the, the platform and further the, the team and just, you know, keep building, keep pushing the envelope, do things other people didn't do. Just, just think outside the box. Damn. So, I mean, from the first time smoking weed to... Yeah, where does it start for you after that? I yeah. mean, obviously you're growing up, going through high school, probably smoking here and there. Did you kind of hop right into the game or, you know... <sighs> no, so, so like, I smoked weed in Colorado, but I lived in Cleveland, Ohio. So I was like, you know, seeing my dad for the summer, and then I'm back in Ohio. And, you know, none of my friends had smoked weed. They didn't believe me when I told them that I smoked weed out in Colorado. And like, you know, when you're a kid and you've smoked weed and then you're back home, you're like, I need to find weed. So I just like I'm searching and searching for weed. This weed I'm finding in Ohio is literally brick. You know, it's Mexico brick, seed, brown, you know, just shit. So anyway, like, yeah, I found some kids that would sell me weed or rip me off or whatever and smoked a little of that. But then it, it all changed. 
the summer when I was 14, we moved. My family moved from Cleveland to Fort Mill, South Carolina. And I had no friends. I knew no one. Uh, I definitely couldn't get any fucking weed. Like South Carolina in the 90s. I mean, if you even had a speck of fucking weed, you're, you're like definitely getting arrested, possibly going to prison. So it was rough. And during that summer when I had no friends, uh, I actually came across a Ed Rosenthal grow book, like a garage sale find or some shit like that. I, I, I get the book and I read the book. And I just like had this, I need to do this. I need to grow weed. And the place that we moved was like, it's called, it's called Heritage USA. And I don't know if you guys are old enough to know who Jim and Tammy Faye Baker are. They're like televangelists. Yes. And they sell the buckets, the, the food now buckets. They do. So yes. back in the day before they went to prison, for fraud, yeah, they had this like town, right, called Heritage USA, and I'm talking about a fucking town. They had a broadcasting center. They had like hundreds of condos, hotels, a water park, all this shit. And like, what happened was they got popped by the feds or some shit. Went to prison, seized all the assets. It's a ghost town, and then some other company came in and like finished building a few of the houses they were building called it heritage park. And my parents moved in there from Cleveland. So like a kid on a bicycle, you know, ride down the street and there's this fucking ghost town, but there's also like all these building materials everywhere, pallets of shit and nobody's there. It's all sees shit and it's insane. So like, over the course of that summer, I discovered that, like, a lot of these apartments still had power and, like, nobody was there. And, you know, wow. I'm like 14 years old and I'm like opening doors on apartments and, like, nobody's there. And it's like, first you're in there, like, all right, cool. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm free. I'm kicking it in my apartment. And then, Long story short, I found a pallet of streetlights, like old school 90s metal halide hood streetlights. And like in the book, there's a picture of this fucking streetlight, like, you know what I mean? So anyway, I got um, this cat at a pallet yard and, and like some redneck at a pallet yard. I got him to ex like wire this thing to be able to be plugged in and like have a ballast and actually work. And I got pots and dirt and fucking, I'm, I didn't know anything about RO. I didn't know anything about fertility. I didn't know anything at all. I knew about dirt, pot, light, timer. And I ordered some seeds out of high times. And they came in a pen. They came in a, a I ordered from Mark Emery Seed Co. People don't oh, even no, know. No, no, no. I didn't order from Mark Emery that time. I ordered from B 
BC Bud Depot? No, it was uh, it was Nirvana Seed Co. or yep. something like that. I ordered um the cheapest pack of seeds they had was forty five bucks, and it was Misty, which is like a predecessor of like Northern Lights. Okay, so it's like a very very old varietal. And it came in a pen, like a big pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hollowed like the, out. the seeds came in a hollowed out pen. You could get it back then. You got them in like a CD case mm-hmm. or a pen. Is a kids or B. don't know about this. You could That's even why. like choose mm-hmm. pen or CD case, like you know, for your shipping preference. But um, so I I grew those plants horribly, and uh, I had six seeds. Five of them were males. I didn't know <laughs> that they were males. I, I literally thought that the the male flower like the was was a bud when I was growing these things. I, I thought like, man, that must be the bud. And then uh, finally, I let some redneck come in there and look at them, and she's, hot damn, you got a bunch of males. And um, and then I had one plant, and I grew it, and it was. Latent with powdery mildew, completely infested with mites, and the best weed I'd ever smoked at the time in my life. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so I started growing that way, and then you know through trial and error over the next couple of years, uh, turned into like back then what I'd consider a commercial producer of weed. I was 16, 17 years old. I had 20 metal halide street lamps going. By this time I had like bored through the walls of several of these apartments. I mean, dude, they, they did not come into heritage USA, like the feds or the government or anybody who was like controlling that for several years, several years. It was just like a, my personal ghost town as a kid that's like awesome though (laughs) dude it's so awesome especially if you're creative like that and you're like okay what could i get into i mean most dumb kids would have burnt the whole place down or something but like for you to be like man as long as i don't fuck this up they're not even gonna come do anything i i i was nervous every time like fuck man you know somebody's gonna have to know i remember like the the time where i got the most nervous was one when I when I broke from one apartment to two, right now I had eight lights, and uh, the shit stunk like it stunk. It stunk for there is no weed smell in South Carolina, so you, that shit lingers. Um, and the lights were so bright. I remember riding on my bicycle. It was like a two mile ride from where I was growing the weed to my parents' house. I remember riding the bicycle and I I don't know how far away I was, but it felt like I was very far away. And this fucking thing was just booming, really? glowing, glowing. So crazy. And, uh, I remember like having this, like, like this is, you know, I'm going to get in trouble. This is going to happen. I'm going to, because growing weed in South Carolina back then, I mean, you're talking, serious serious felonies like serious serious you know maybe 10 plus years in prison type shit so uh but yeah then eventually i got over that and was some of the weed out of that place actually turned out to be pretty good uh, by and- the by the time i was like 
just before I got busted and went to prison, it was pretty fucking good. <laughs> it always it, is like it, that. It was pretty good. Like just before I got everything figured out. And I mean, dude, we're taught this is the nineties, you know, it wasn't as easy as these kids just going down to fucking, uh, uh, I'll, I'll plug my boy, uh, JT, uh, downtown hydro and, uh, and, uh, hydro builder holdings <laughs> friggin' buying all this shit. That, that you just plug and play. I mean, dude, I had to make shit out of fence posts and uh, uh, sprinkler system parts and, you know, f- fucking uh, float valves from toilets. And, and you know, you had to really be a MacGyver in those days. And um, so, yeah. That's why you found most of the growers back in the early days were like GCs and electricians in their other life. And then they're like, oh, I could take this bulb and wire it up to this ballast and then wire it into the, you know, and they start getting these. Because other than that, a lot of people don't know how to put this whole thing together. And as you was a kid doing that, I mean, it just shows your curiosity and your wonder for like, I don't mind putting in the work. Let's see where this goes. Well, and I'm not mechanically inclined in any capacity. Like I am not a guy that wires up lamps or, or or frames up anything, but I'm a very effective communicator and I've always been able to like talk to people and, and find somebody to help me. I mean, I'd pay them, but I could find somebody. And I mean, every single time I had to find somebody in those days, it was this like bond of trust that mm-hmm. just you like had to have of like, like, please don't fucking tell on me. But then everybody always had leverage on you, too. Mm-hmm. So it was like real nerve wracking time. People don't even understand those days when you had to like, like you're trying to get an electrician to make you something that he knows is for a grow. Mm-hmm. So then it's like now he knows like, oh, what are you up to? And you know what I'm saying? There's just like you say, there's just underlining like uneasiness about, oh, is this going to come back to bite me here in a couple months or when he comes and robs me or when he tells on me and obviously something happened. The smell lingered and someone smelled it. No, no, man. <laughs> it's, it's a funny story. You know, your kid. I'm in high school, and I mean, I moved out of my parents' house young, but, uh, and I mean, look, I've been growing and selling weed for a minute. Like, I had money for a kid in South Carolina. I had a few bucks, and and I got my apartment, and kids are coming over and hanging out, and I'm like the coolest kid in school because I don't live with my parents, and I have weed, and a car and you know, money, money. And, you know, I can buy some <laughs> buy a stack you? of pizzas and shit, you know? Yeah. My boy doc. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, one of my boys, well, he's not a boy anymore. He's a piece of shit, but this kid that was a close friend of mine, he got caught in school with a joint. One joint. But again, this is 1996-7 South Carolina. Like a joint is ruin your life shit. You know what I mean? Like a joint is ruin your life shit. And school called his dad in there. They had the cops, everything. And basically this dude for a joint opened up what led into like a, I think it was like a six month investigation oh. where he's like hanging out with me wearing wires that you know this is back in the beeper like pager days like he he left a pager in my car that like recorded stuff 
mean, there was a lot. Uh, motion of discoveries are a real bitch when you when you see that's like, wild everything and then like remember those moments like but yeah over a joint this kid i'd love to say his name but we'll, <laughs> we'll just leave it but this this kid uh yeah he he ratted me out and i and i went down hard cuz i sold him you know weed for months and months and and he's bringing other people around me and i'm selling them weed and now we're into like bigger quantities it was a, it was like they had a loctite case on me because my best friend was ratting me out the whole time would your parents think when you had to break the news to them about that did you did you yeah i mean of course i told them but like they you know i mean what are they gonna say i was yeah. up to no good you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like like my my mother kind of wrote me off uh as like I can't do shit about this a long time before. I was always very independent kid and always getting into shit. So like it was just inevitable that I would end up in prison. So. So you go to prison. How long does that last? If you don't mind talking about it. Uh, so no, it's fine. I got sentenced to, I got a YOA is what they called it in in uh in the Carolinas and it's a trip because when you go to prison you'll never forget your number right I got out of prison seven seventeen two thousand one so what is that twenty one years ago and I know that number you say it so why two seven three nine seven five you say it so many fucking times that you just remember that number but um so I ended up doing a year and a half of a three-year YOA, and then I did uh, three years of probation in Colorado. So you were got the right to move. Th that's that's the only way I could. Uh, honestly, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because if I would have stayed in the Carolinas, th like th that, York County has this thing called YCMDEU. York County Multi-Jurisdictional Drug Enforcement Unit. And what they do is they go and they get like a cop from every department in the state and they're part of the unit. So now this drug unit can literally have jurisdiction everywhere. And when they want to bust somebody here, they bring the cop from there. And when they want to bust somebody there, they bring the cop from there. And they like, I don't know how the fuck they got the funding to do this shit, but I mean, dude, they were fucking kicking in doors and doing full scale, like very expensive raids for like a pound of weed in the 90s. That's like, why. Like, like, I mean, very expensive raids. People don't understand how crazy it was in the South at the time. No, like, no. like it was not cool for even smelling like just smelling like weed. Like if you smelled like weed because you left that apartment, it could be a problem. Definitely could be a problem. Definitely could be a problem. And how dirty those cops are down there, especially back in those days. I mean, they're really like hard. I mean, it was, it was really hard. If I'd have stayed there, I'd have, we wouldn't be here. Like, I'd, I'd be in prison. You know, I I'd, I'd, I'd definitely would have kept getting caught in their web. They would have watched me. You know, this is all I know. And now I'm a felon. It, you know, back then I'm a, I'm a weed felon. So and on probation. And on probation. And, and it's just like, 
Plus, like, once you actually, like, get into this business and you actually make some money and you, you, like, get into this, like, hustle lifestyle, it's really hard to go work at famous footwear. You know what I mean? It's really hard to go, uh, like, manage a McDonald's job. or something. Yeah, even a good job. It's hard. The action. You know what I mean? Like, the, 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 mm-hmm. the action and the control of your own destiny. Growing your, your finances. Literally growing your own finances. It's just, it's hard to to get out of it. I mean, I've had, I've had like one, two, three, four, four jobs in my life. And, uh, and yeah. And then weed. And every one of those jobs I robbed completely blind. <laughs> Damn. What's uh what's jail like? Is it smoking weed and is it chill or is it like a uh, especially uh, where did you go to South reality? Carolina? Yeah, no, I went in South Carolina and I was on Kirkland Yard, hard yard, like hard yard. And South Carolina is like one of these states that like doesn't take the government the, the federal funding so that they don't have to do what the feds say back then. I I believe I think that's what it was. I mean like you're on a farm. You're on a penal farm. You grow your own food. They make their own clothes. Like you work like. Like the chain gang. Yes. Like literally. I, I don't want to say yeah. you work like a slave, but you work like a slave. You really do. Like it's, it, it literally is reminiscent of slavery. You've got the cops with their shotgun and their big, uh, aviator sunglasses and they're walking up and down while you are chained next to a human that's swinging some instrument or like I remember uh, in there I worked on the like in farming and like normally you'd have a tractor like rip a field well in South Carolina Department of Corrections you have 200 inmates with hoes sit there and hoe a, a whole, you know, a couple acre field. And it's just like, fuck, man. I mean, you really, you really get to see it, but yeah, prison, prison's not good. Um, I'm not a gang mm-hmm. guy and prisons are all about like segregation and clicking up with like your race or where you're from in the state or whatever. And it just like, I, I did not, do well in that system other than that communication and hustler mentality of like, you know, by the time I got out of there, I had a little card game going and I had a little store going and I'm, you know, like bartering and I'm, I'm paying big guys boxes of, you know, honey buns to be my bodyguard while I'm collecting on this poker debt or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of worked it, that way but that's just the way my mind works is like what's the angle how do we make bread what, what what's the hustle here that's like a slap of reality though to go from like being on your own grow and having all this open space kind of doing whatever you want to like all right a year and a half of this and then did you know while you were in there when you get out you were about to make a move or did you was it like abrupt when you got out totally abrupt and and the last three months of that was the the only reason I got out early is because I did this thing called shock where you do like 90 days of like boot camp 
And I mean, it's real boot camp, like screaming in your face and push ups and like running through mud and, you know, all that type of shit. So I, I did the whole 90 day shock thing. So like when I got out, it was a quote shock because you're like in this like kind of military movement mindset. And now here I am like having to leave South Carolina and go to Colorado. I hadn't seen my dad in a long time. Uh, and, and it was completely different setting. Like I, I I'm, I'm going from being like the cool kid that sold weed to like humble this fuck, you know, no money broke, no car, no nothing. Literally sitting in my dad's dildo factory, filling dick molds with silicone. Like, just like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Doc, we need a fucking movie, bro. I know. <laughs> Holy shit. That is wild. So, so the road home, you, you did the, the shock boot camp, basically. Got to get out early. And then they said, you, you can't come back to South Carolina? Or what was the deal with well, that? Well, if I'd have had an address in South Carolina... I totally could have gone to South Carolina, but like mm. you had to take responsibility for the inmate that's being released. And my family in South Carolina just wasn't willing to, they, to be honest, I don't as, as much as I'm a parent now and I could never do that to my kid, but like, I also know how I was and I wouldn't want to take responsibility for me at that time in my life either. Cause I definitely would have gone to some stupid job and been like, fuck this. I'm going right back to my little setup. Cause they never got my grow. They never got my grow ever. They so, got me so, selling wheat. Wow. The, the, like, like I went back there and all the shit was there. Dead plants fucking everything. So what they just come pick you up one morning at your parents? No. Um, when they popped me, uh, so they, they raided my house, okay? And they didn't find anything but, like, joint, uh, joint roaches in the ashtray, which is, you, you go to jail for that. Um, and I had this little plate of kind bud, because in, in the Carolina, you, you guys are from, back in those days, there was no, they, there was swag weed, there was regular, regular weed, and then there was kind bud, KB. So I had this little plate with like maybe two grams of KB tucked under my couch. That was like my headies, you know, and, um, and they, yeah, they raid my house and they, I mean, it's such a joke thinking about it today. Like we have so much more weed sitting on this table that, which doesn't even look like a lot of weed in California. This looks like a normal, appropriate amount of weed. Thank you. But um, but it, it's like literally like a couple grams of weed. So I got a possession charge, which isn't a felony, but you're going to jail. You lose your license, you know, all that shit. And when I went to court for that, like right as they're reading the charges, then they read the whole charges and they, and they hit me with, like this whole investigation and I got a lawyer and I got discovery. And then while I'm waiting on my case, I got the discovery and, and I, and I see that literally like my boy who like, I'm still talking to 
on a regular basis, like discussing how stressed out I am about this case. I'm talking to this kid. I'm reading like that, that, like how many times he has fucked me like over and over and over and over. And I'm just like remembering them, remembering them. So I had a good lawyer cause I had some money back then. So like I probably could have not done prison time if I didn't go to this kid's sub sandwich shop and beat the ever living shit out of him uh, and then catch another charge um, whatever, uh, assault and intimidation of a state's witness or something like that. But it's like, you, you're so betrayed at that point. You oh, were like, dude. this is my best friend. And, and he's talking to me like, yeah, I hope you're doing good. Yeah. Well, you'll get through this, yeah. you know, shit like that. You're worry. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, man. It's yeah. like, you're, you'll be okay. That's Fucking got caught with a joint. That's crazy. Right, and he didn't take the charge and didn't just be like my bad. Yeah. I don't know. I, my, I stole it from my parents, but you sure. know, fuck it or whatever. Anything, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or like even come to me and I'd, I'd just paid for your lawyer. It's possession. You, you know, you wouldn't have gone to jail or anything. I had to go to fucking prison because this kid's joint. Some of the biggest drug dealers some of the not drug dealers some of the biggest cannabis guys i've ever met who have like who are prolific cannabis people in any other business would be multi-million you know like lead the industry type guys have gotten caught up on the dumbest shit like stuff where you're like a crime stoppers tip about a dog right like like stuff where you're like how is that even possible and you know but it's just like it's the little things it it's really always is the dumb shit it's always the stupid the, the sloppy shit yeah and and it's like, you know, I look back at it and it's like, I should have talked to my guy. I should have educated my guys. And then like, you know, throughout, you know, my career or whatever, like I learned from that. And I learned to explain to my guys, especially like in the 215 era, like, look, this is everybody has a business card for the attorney. The attorney's on retainer. You have all your recs. Like every, you have all your, your armor here. Don't say anything to the police. Just say nothing at all. There's nothing that you can say or do. There's nothing they can do. Like, I, but if I, if I would have told those kids back then, maybe, maybe he would have not said anything and maybe he would have just taken you know his simple possession charge and you know got and and but who knows you know you're probably right communication is so much of that bro that is wild to think back on that you you know it shows that you've changed though because you're blaming yourself for that person ratting which most people will be like that fuck that dude he's a rat you know it's like you're looking at it like ah, i could have think i could have handled that differently so he would have had a different option you know as an older wiser you know like like I mean, what, I don't know, like at a certain point in time in your life, you kind of like, and I have a humongous ego, like, like probably one of the most booming egos ever. You kind of, you start to drop the ego after a certain point. And then like you get into that, like self-reflection and that, and that's, that's the only way you'll be like a truly like good leader. Uh, you know, like you can be a good leader and have a big bravado and like really beat the drum and we're the best, we're the best, we're the best, we're the best. But like the, the ones that last forever, the ones that like are, you know, on the top of the totem pole, whatever you want to call it, you know, Mount Rushmore chiseled are the, the, the guys that actually can drop the ego and, and reflect and be like, okay, like, where can I take responsibility or where can I, what, what could I have done to, to 
change that situation. So real you get released, you sent to Colorado, you're with your dad. You're at the, the dick mold factory. Making dicks. You're now making dicks. Making dicks. And you're like, this is dick. What happens then? So um, I met this guy, Saul, who had a record store in, uh, in Colorado Springs. That's where, that's where my dad's dick factory was. And um, he had this record store and he had bomb weed. And he stumbled on the dildo factory one day. He was like getting something done. I don't know. Somehow he like stumbled on the dildo factory, came inside and is like, this is a dildo factory. Right. And it was just like, whoa. And um, anyway, we became friends and uh, you know, he, I'm on probation and whatever. And like, he's got good weed. And I started selling some weed to like, I got weed from him. I'd sell some weed to get a free eighth or whatever. I felt like, you know, totally custy central. I can't grow. I'm at my dad's like nothing's working out. And then, um, Saul mentions like, you know, we should, we should grow some weed. And I was like, I know how to grow weed. Like I, I know how to grow weed. And, uh, yeah, so his, he was a, what was Saul? He's some, some kind of Jordanian. He was Jordanian, uh, Palestinian. I'm a Jew. (laughs) Like we're growing weed uh, together. So, so, um, anyway, uh, his dad had this like basement that was, the, the most gaudy Palestinian, like, tiled wall uh, looks like a pool in your basement type of shit. And uh, his dad was not going to be in the house for six months. And I saw funded everything. You know what I mean? He got he got the lights and all this. And I mean, some years had passed. Now we had a couple of grow shops. You know what I mean? And um, there was this spot. I I doubt it's uh, even around anymore, but it was called Indoor Paradise in Colorado. And it was just this dude with this little grocery, you know, you walk in and you got to say tomatoes and peppers and uh, how many pounds of tomatoes is, am I going to get off of this? And you could buy like a really crazy wing, hot as fuck, red as fuck light. And uh, anyway, so, so I had like actual grow equipment the state of the art at the time. And, um, and this dude made these aeroponic systems and he made them out of PVC fence posts. And he would literally like take a Rubbermaid tote and a Rubbermaid tote. And he'd run these, uh, like PVC four by four pipes. And he had the, He'd drill a hole in the top and put the net pot in. And then he had like a grommet on one side. Like one of the, one of the uh, Rubbermaids was a res. And basically there was a tube that filled the, the, the aeroponic median would go to the top of the grommet and then recirculate into the uh, res. And it just constantly deep water culture, basically the original deep water culture, right? Um, and I grew in that and I grew with actual fertility for the first time ever. Cause before I literally would mix soil, 
I would mix soil and try to make it hot and just water it in with tap water. And this time I'm growing with RO water and I'm actually mixing in fertility and I'm actually like, like understanding how to feed a plant and how to cultivate a plant. And that, that shit was like some of the most bomb weed I'd ever had in my life. I mean, it really, really was great weed. Where'd you get the clones or the plants to put in there? It, Saul got them. Saul, wow, Saul he got was them plugged. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Man. plugged in. This guy was plugged in. He was like, he had the record store and he was pushing pounds. And he got, we grew like Atomic Haze. Uh, we grew um, Granddaddy Purple. We grew, so, so th- this is kind of where the cough came into play, right? Like up in Fort Collins, there's this like mystery weed that is the cough. And I was always telling Saul, like, we should grow the cough, the cough, the cough, the cough is like the shit. I mean, it really was like the. It still is famous. It like, is. Like but, it's a famous time and place. Sure. But like, it's like the, the you know, you see a pack of Skittles today, you know, like just straight original Z that somebody like painfully grew like labor of loved uh and, and you and you'll pay epic amount of money for that weed it, it was like that you know back then so i really wanted to get on the cough back then and i just i just couldn't and um so whatever i grew weed with saul and then we didn't have a falling out or anything but like we just separated i i met a chick uh she was the love of my life at that moment, and she wanted to move back home to Fort Collins, and like you know, you were p- like, "Fuck it, six months won. is up." That, yeah. <laughs> you know, the like the the ch- love won, right? So I, I didn't want to lose my girlfriend, so I I move up to Fort Collins, and uh, I actually opened a record store in Fort Collins with salt. Way more hip place. You just went from like farms kind of to farms college and military. town. Yeah. To, to, to like full college full town. Full on college town. Yeah. And I mean, I opened my record store in the midst. If you've ever, have you ever been to Fort Collins? I've been everywhere you're talking about. Okay. So in yep. Fort Collins College Ave and Olive Street, there's the Armstrong Hotel. Like in the Armstrong Hotel was my record store. So and it was it was the same record store that was that Saul had. It was called Mole Thirty Three, and uh, and I brought some lights and one of these aeroponic setups up there, and I'm growing weed and Kelly in my house while we're running the record store, whatever. And and that's that's kind of how the the it can the saga continues, right? So. I'm growing weed there and I run into these cats uh, at the Aggie theater that had cough. And like, I'm trying to talk about it. There's actually, these guys actually became famous. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. I think it's like an electronic music band called listen or no, no, it's called pretty lights. Yep. So you've heard of pretty lights. Uh Uh-huh. So, so Mike, can I say the names? Yeah, man. Mike we Maynard can... and uh, and Derek, who are like, I guess the they're like the 
lead guy. I don't. I didn't really. They have a their... viral song that's like uber famous. Pretty okay. lights. You know that one song that everybody's I heard. Know, okay. <laughs> I don't. I just remember. I've seen them DJ like five or six times in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So so these guys mm. are the guys that we tracked down the cough, and now I'm growing the cough, and they're selling it for me, and. Like we're using my record store as kind of like a front and a meeting place and all this stuff. But I never, I never realized this until like years later that those guys became uber famous musicians. They were always working on music and, 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 and all that, but I never even realized that they may, I mean, it might've been like five years ago. I'm like, Oh shit. Like these dudes like became big recording artists. <laughs> They sell out Red Rocks three days in a row. Right. Like yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday sold out three days back to back to back. Like that's how big. Yeah. They travel the world. They've retired off music basically. Right. It's wild. So, so yeah, I, I get with these cats and they're selling weed and then they ended up going off on music and um, I ended up, I was selling weed to a kid was selling weed to another kid and that kid was selling weed to a popular motorcycle club in Northern Colorado. We'll, we'll just leave that unnamed. And throughout the course of time, you know, now I'm not just growing a couple lights, but we got like a whole house of cough going and I'm like, you know, hell yeah. And I mean, we were getting, 5,000 a pound in those days. It was like, you didn't even have to really trim the weed. You know what I mean? It's just a different time. And, uh, anyway, so the biker jumps, this kid jumps, this kid and gets to me and, you know, is now like buying direct from me. And then that turns into like, Hey, let's be partners. It always turns into this, like, let's be partners shit. Get them hooks in. Exactly. It just always <laughs> lands on let's be partners. And like th this day and age, like I, I am so like anti partners. Um, I try not to have partners or to really, really vet partners because I've had a lot of shitty partners. I've had a lot of partners that we can go, we can go into some shitty partners, but, um, so anyway, I get to, uh, we're partners, right? Okay, we're going to partner. He's going to fund to grow. I'm going to grow the weed. Well, he's going to get paid back what he put in. And then from there on, we're going to split it 50-50. And he's still going to sell all this weed I'm growing over here. Cool. Sounds great. Clean deal. Clean yeah. deal. And, and we did it. And it worked. And it was great. And it was great for like three harvests, right? After that third harvest, he's like, man, this is going really great. Let's partner on another one. So I'm like, you know, I mean, I was pretty flush. I had the record store. Like, it's, you know, I'm in my early 20s, and I'm just like, this is fantastic. I've got the protection of these Big burly dudes. I mean, I, I'm a little guy. I could go down to a bar and run my mouth. And, and if anybody said one word to me that there could be like some 
bad day in Bosnia for them. So, so whatever. I'm cocky little kid and I'm feeling like I'm on top of the world. And then this guy starts hoeing me. He starts like, first it was, I got half the money and it was like, oh, we're putting the money into the, to the new grow. We're, we're investing. All right, cool. Then I got a quarter and it's like, and then I got none and then none again and then none again and then none again. And it's like, here we've gone now a year where I like haven't gotten paid and He's only given me a little bit, like a portion of the money from here. And he's telling, telling me that it's all going into this, uh, this grow. So then finally I tell him like, you know what? I don't want to do the grow. Like, just give me all my money back that I've put in and like, we'll just stay with these. Like I, this is costing too much. And I, I don't know if I want to do it. And that's when it starts this like intimidation shit. I mean, this is a big guy. This is a very big, like massive, they called him bull. And he was a, he was a bull, you know, he's like six, five, 300 pound fucking burly biker, crazy fuck. And I remember I'd have to talk to him like, like this. <laughs> and, and, uh, so, I tell him like I want out and I want my money. And he's like, basically like, no, like you're going to do this. And like the arrangement isn't changing and this is what it is. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And this guy beat the shit out of it. Like beat the shit out of me. And basically told me that I work for him and that I live at the grow now and that this guy is going to be with you 24 seven and you're here. And I was there for like nine months, like basically captive. Bro, this is like Jesse from breaking bad. It is like exactly real life. Like Jesse this from breaking rough. bad years before the show yeah. ever. <laughs> but this is like, this is like exactly what cops worry about with grows. Like, you know, the HA getting involved with the, you know, like crazy shit, man. No, yeah. It was, it was crazy shit. And what was it? What was the, what were the nine months like? Yeah. Dude, it's so it started off like kind of buddy, buddy, right? Like this handler of mine's like, hey, dude, you know, bull's, bull's not that bad. And like, we just got to, you know, get this done and they you'll call be okay. It good cop, bad cop. Yeah, yep, good cop, exactly. bad cop type so shit. Technique, psychology. And they'd bring some chicks around there and like we'd, you know, hang. So I was like, okay, maybe, like, maybe this isn't so bad. Like maybe I'm part of this crew, right? Like maybe mm. I'm just like part of this gang, right? Whatever. Yeah, you're like, right? I got to quit being soft. Let's right. Do yeah. I mean, literally. <laughs> like, toughen up. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're getting held captive <laughs> and fucking. Yeah. So you just got done hoeing in South Carolina. It's like, yeah. holy shit, bro. This so, is like the biggest grower story ever. I mean, honestly, because it's like <laughs> you're like, I look at every most growers like a racehorse. And I'm like, you're about to get ridden right into the finish line. Right. Like, that's how I look at most. It's like, oh, yeah, a lot of people love to hitch right on. But keep going. Sorry. It's all good. So. Um, so then, like, they started bringing like 
shit around like machine guns and you know stuff that's like gonna get you in some shit some real like deep 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 shit and i'm hitting bull like hey dude the fuck is we, we gotta grow here and there's like a machine gun here like i'm not like i'm i'm, I'm afraid and he's basically like shut the fuck up and whatever. So I shut the fuck up and whatever. And then on this property where we're growing weed, they wheel up a fucking trailer and they're cooking meth in it. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. Like, I am going to go to prison for 20 years fucking with these guys. Like, I need to get the fuck out of here. So that manifested over like the course of like 10, 12 days. And one of the nights when the handler was drinking, I just kept feeding him drinks. I just kept like getting him hammered, hammered, hammered. And he passes out and I fucking stole his wallet. I stole his fucking red Ford Explorer and I drove straight from fucking LaPorte, Colorado to my dad's in San Diego. My dad had moved his, during all that time, my dad had moved his company to San Diego. I drove straight to my dad's in a stolen whip the, the whole fucking way. I only stopped for gas and to piss. And, uh, and I got there and I'm, Back humbled again, you know, I, I'm, I'm in Colorado with a stolen car, a bag of clothes. Uh, the dude had like 260 bucks that I spent like half of on gas getting there. Um, you know, from I'm, Colorado to San Diego. Yeah. From yeah. Colorado to San Diego. And here I am. This is that kicking in the teeth that I'm talking about. Just that like humbling experience of like getting almost to the top of the mountain, tumbling all the way back down, getting almost to the top of the mountain, tumbling all the way back down. I mean, it's been a hard road. Like it, it really has. And so I'm in San Diego and I'm riding around in this stolen whip. I don't have a driver's license. Uh, I don't have car insurance. I don't have any money, and I had I'd gotten a job at a paper print press. This is like one of my four jobs ever. I'm, I'm a, a loader at a print press in downtown San Diego, which sucks. Sucky work. Don't do that job. Don't do that okay. job. It is a very difficult job, like labor-intensive difficult job. One day, I'm bumping to work, and I'm cooking a little bit down... Uh, I was riding down 30th in San Diego and I get lit up by a cop and I am like, fuck. And I pull over. Well, I, first I try to dip a little bit and then, you know, I wasn't going to dip. I pull over and I'm the, the whole thing's going through my head. Stolen car, no license, no insurance. Fucking I'm a, I'm a criminal. Like I am, I am fucking fucked. I'm going to fucking jail. And, uh, 
while I am cop comes up, you got your license. I don't have a license. Uh, registration. I don't have registration. I don't have anything. And while this cop is like, okay, hold on one second and walks back. These two plain clothes guys in a Jeep walk up to the cop and start talking to him. And I'm sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? These are, I thought there were some guys from like down the street that just needed to talk to a cop about something. And then the one guy comes over to my window and he's like, it says my name. Hi, government name. Uh, do you remember me? I'd gotten pulled over in the driveway of one of my grow houses in Colorado, like a year and a half prior to this, like right around the time I met the biker guys. And, um, anyway, he, he's like, do you remember me from your driveway? And I was like, shit. Yeah, I do. So anyway, he's like, we'd really like to talk to you. And I'm like, uh, 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 so now it's this weird, awkward moment between like these Colorado detectives, these San Diego patrolmen, my ass scared as fuck. <laughs> like what's going to happen? What do and, they know? Yeah. What is, what is what going side of this am I on? on? Yeah. What is going on? So. It, like we're in this scenario and the San Diego cop is like confused. And he's like, you don't have to go with them. And I'm like, can I just leave? And then these Colorado cops know that I don't have a driver's license, know that there's a million reasons that they can pull me in. So th they start like chirping, like, well, 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 about the they know I'm in a stolen car. They know, they know, they know. The San Diego cop hadn't run the shit yet, right? He's he like trying to figure out what's going on here. He's trying to figure out yeah. what's going on, man. It's, this is totally. So I end up going with these guys downtown so that I don't catch the case for the stolen whip and, and all these other things, right? So we literally park my stolen car on the side of the road and lock it up and <laughs> drive downtown and they put me in like the stereotypical tiny as fuck cold as fuck uh interrogation room and these cops like you know at this point in my life i've been pretty well trained to the like i'm gonna remain silent i would like an attorney like you know i i've, I've been around the block a little bit so I, I'm hip to the game. I know my rights. Your rights weren't as cool as they are today. Like you couldn't just like film the police and all, you know, but I had, a, I had, I knew my rights. So we're sitting in there and the guy's like, so we want to talk about bull. And I'm like, there, there was a point where my like heart dropped a little bit. Cause I was beating like from my driveway. Like I'm getting caught. I'm in, trouble they didn't give a fuck about the weed they're fucking investigating this biker gang that's like mayhem and meth sales and guns and 
like battery beaten, kidnapping, all the, all this crazy shit. Like that's, they wanted to know about all that. So they're like, they got this laptop and they're like, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? Do you know this? Guy? I'm just sitting there like, I don't know. 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 The whole time they're clicking through it. So like they get through this series of like 20 people. Right. And I knew every single person on there. And then they're like, okay, here's a picture of you with them. Here's a picture of you with them. Here's a picture of you with them. Now, do you still want to tell us you don't know? And at this point, I'm just like, okay, I'm in like, I'm in trouble. Like I'm, I, I'm in big trouble. And I end up just, I don't knowing my way out of this. And these dudes did not have a warrant for me. Like they did not have a warrant for my arrest. They didn't have anything. So like I get out of this, right? I get out of this shit and they literally like leave. They go home. I'm back in San Diego. Like, Oh my God. And I'm literally like looking over my back around every corner. I'm thinking these guys are going to fucking kill me. Like they're going to come out here and kill me. They're, it's a big deal. I mean, some of those guys went to prison for like 25 years on that, on that conspiracy case. Like some of those guys went to jail for a long time. So like I'm, uh, you know, freaking out, whatever. And I start getting calls from these detectives. Like, you're going to have to testify. You're going to have to testify. You're going to have to testify. The U.S. attorney is going to make you testify. And eventually it got to me to, enough to where I called the lawyer on like a free 15-minute consultation. I'm like, bro, this is happening. And what do I do? And it was a cool-ass lawyer who's, who's no longer a lawyer anymore in San Diego. But he was a cool-ass dude. and he was like, you tell them, go fuck themselves. And that they would have, the if, the if they really wanted you out there as a witness, they would have a package and they would have this and they would have that and blah, 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 blah. So you tell them to go fuck themselves and that you're not doing a goddamn thing. Wow. And I should have never done that, but I absolutely did that. The next time they called me, I'm like, you guys can go fuck yourselves and I'm not doing a goddamn thing. And they ended up putting a charge on me that was a non-extradition warrant for distribution of marijuana in Colorado that I carried, I just recently took care of. I carried it for like 12 years. Like Damn. I literally carried this warrant for 12 years. Every time I got pulled over, that you know, it turned into a big deal. I'm driving with my kids. I'm literally getting handcuffed while they figure out that this warrant's non-extradition. If I would have never told them to go fuck themselves, they probably wouldn't have put that warrant on me. But but yeah, I ended up uh anyway catching a case there and then or, or not catching that case, but uh, dodging a case there. And then San Diego, I end up meeting some guys that grow and I end up meeting Mighty Mike from Mighty Hydro in San Diego. That's like the biggest. I mean, when I first met them, they were in a little closet. Now they're, you know, a mega grow store, like a major player. And uh, yeah, they put me on and friggin got a hold of like some great I mean bull rider was like the first strain that I ran into when I got to San Diego it was like everybody was 
on this bull rider and then this shark. And then, uh, and then eventually I linked up with the boys at North park quality care. Uh, and then I saw they had like in their dispensary, they had BTY, they had P91, they had uh, pre 91 camp. I'd never seen this shit. I'd heard about it on forums. Um, you know, somebody told me about pre 91 cam, uh, but I'd never actually seen them. And, um, for the sake of time, we, I, I used my communication skills again in life to befriend these guys enough to end up getting these type of cuts. And, uh, and, and then, you know, I started growing BTY like a motherfucker. Famous, fame. So, just to give reference for people, BTYOG, like famous San Bernardino kind of valley. Oh, it's all Poway. It's yeah, all that there Poway, you go. Inland Empire. It's all, uh, you know, cats like Tony, like bros from the from the two thousands with their jacked up trucks and stuff. I mean, that, like that's the type of guys that were growing uh, the the BTY back then, and and and. Uh, yeah, I I ran that strain for ever, and and I got the pre ninety one, and we 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 ended up buying the dispensary from them. Me and me and another friend of mine, this cat Andrew, we bought the dispensary from them because it was just it was such a pain in the ass to run a dispensary in like the two thousand seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven era. Like in San Diego, the DEA was coming in your dispensary like all the time. They were kicking the door. They were taking all the weed. They they were you know leaving and never putting any charges. And then you opened up the next day. So like you just kept getting robbed and robbed and robbed. And they got robbed so many times they wanted to sell it. And then we got robbed so many times that we started uh, North Park quality delivery. So I was like, fuck you. You're not, I'm not going to mark where my delivery service is on weed maps and all this stuff. But weed maps, I mean, I've been on weed maps since it was called LegalMarijuanaDispensary.com. Uh, Horrible name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are, are, are old enough to remember this, but like for years when you would type in weed maps, there'd be a flicker and it would say legal medical marijuana dispensary.com. And then it would redirect you to weed maps. So like we've been, we've been on it since then, but so North park quality care or uh, quality delivery is what it ended up being started in North park. And then we moved to all of uptown and then it was all of San Diego and then expanded down to the Mexican border, San Ysidro. So we're all Chula Vista and we started moving north. That became, I mean, I don't have analytics or whatever, but there was at the time there was not another delivery service in the state that was rocking like we were. I mean, we were doing eleven hundred deliveries a day from Orange County to the Mexican border to Riverside and and down to like El Centro. Wow, bro. I mean, we had hubs everywhere. We were rocking and rolling, and we were really doing numbers. I mean, we were, we we were a, a really good delivery service. I had, and I was paying weed maps like eighty thousand a month 
in icons in those days. And that in those days it was the icon wars because like you would buy an icon and then if you had a gold icon, like people couldn't scroll there. There's like a certain area where they couldn't scroll to find a delivery service. And dude, this is crazy back in 215 when California had enough safe access points to eliminate the California crop in California. You know, there's like eight, 10,000 dispensaries and delivery services back then. We've got legal now like 800. It's so sad. And we're growing 10 times as much weed as we, 20 times as much weed as we were then. We've got 800 fucking places to sell when we used to have like 11,000 places to sell. It's, it's, it's nuts. But anyway, so the Icon Wars... We're we're buying all these icons. We're basically controlling the Southern California map. I'm I'm shadowing dispensaries. I'm battling them. I'm buying out other delivery services, and we ended up uh, we ended up buying out Swallowtail because I wanted the icon so bad. Me and my boy, we just wanted this one icon so bad that we bought this kid's dispensary that owned it, and. Um, that kid was his name was Maddie, and he ended up going on to he took the money we gave him and he bought a CO2 extractor, right? That this is we're talking mm-hmm. ancient history, right? Vape carts weren't a thing, nobody knew about this stuff. This fucker bought this CO2 machine and ended up creating jetty extracts, which is like, I mean, it's one of the biggest vape brands in california now i thought i mean he that kid sold for tens of millions of dollars and is living on some boat in mexico right now what up maddie (laughs) fucker (laughs) but that's put he put in his 10 15 years of learning just that yeah 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 Yeah. i mean dude the kid was he's a he's a legacy weed guy right that like i don't i don't really love that term legacy or whatever but like we gotta have some term that separates the like the guys that literally like slept in their bed wondering if the door was going to get kicked in, lived in fear for a long time from the, like, dude, nowadays I can ride around with a couple pounds of weed on my front seat of my car. And if I got pulled over, I don't even think I would attempt. Maybe I'd throw my hoodie over them or something. Like it's, it's just not the same level of stress. We don't stress the same. So it's like uh, it, there, there's got to be some term. So I guess legacy can be the term. Yeah. But there's got to be some pre 2010. Yeah. I think that's kind of where it got. It started to give one way or another pre 2010. If you were in the mix, it's like, whoa, it was scary. Yeah, it was fucking scary. It was. So fast forward a little bit. Uh, how do you hire all these people? How do you just employ people? Like, I mean, that was always the worry with deliveries and all that product. It's like the friend of friend system, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like we started off, I mean, at the end of quality delivery, we had an office bigger than this place, stuff full of chicks on phones that were literally quality delivery and clickety clacking. I had fill rooms all over the state and drivers just picking up bags and going on to their delivery route. I mean, it, so it started off, we hired one cat and then we hired his homie and then we hired his sister 
and then we hired her homegirl and then so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And then just basically like everybody in there had like one degree of separation of friendship in some capacity or relative or whatever. So we just kind of built this like network of people that, you know, you, you, you had to, he's good because she, she's good. And she said, he's good. So he's good. So you, you build it like that, but at a certain point it became stressful and I was getting married and my chick was like, you know, this is a chick that used to go to three yoga classes a day and take bong rips in the living room while trimming weed at night together. Right. Oh man. When you, when you put this that a romance ring, story, you pull that ring out and, 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 they, and they start getting a little nervous, you know? And she's like, I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? Like I, I, the, this is not how I envision my life. Athena nutrients, cost-effective plant fertilizers and pest control built and tested by legacy growers in California. For more information on Athena, go to athenaag.com or follow Athena on Instagram at athena.ag. We'll see you there. Hello guys, Alex here, owner of Mango Tech Store. We are the house of Trollmaster. We are the house of ThinkRow. Whether you're growing commercially, growing at home, or growing in a tent, we got you. Come see us. We got the best pricing, best customer support. Nobody can beat us. Mango Tech. Like I said before, with the house of Trollmaster and with the house of ThinkRow, we got the new lifters in-house. Order up. So I skipped over the fact that I got a barber's license while I was in prison. But anyway, so I got this barber's license in prison and we we had a good, I mean, we just had a really successful run on a delivery service and, you know, gave back to the patients and yada, yada. You learn the market. Yeah. That's a lot of buying, a lot of movement, a lot of seeing what brands are rising, a lot of media. There there are no brands. We're talking about weed and bake sale items. I mean, literally like edibles were in a plastic bag, literally like sometimes with like ribbons and glitter and, and shit, you know, like on the bags, it was, it was not, it was not the, the, the space you see today. And that's actually leading to the next part of the cannabis journey. So we decide I'm out, right. I'm going to cash out. I've, I've made a good chunk of change. I can, I can jump to another business in life. I'm done with weed. Right. And this is like 2011, 12, right. I'm, I'm just, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. And we're going to go by this barbershop in the Bay on our way up. We stop in San Luis Obispo in this town called Grover beach to eat and piss and all that. And, uh, she sees on Craigslist, there's a barbershop for sale there. And I just bought that barbershop and we stayed there. <laughs> That's awesome. Where, where was this at again? Grover Beach, Grover Beach, California. Okay. We just, we bought that barbershop. You like the area. You were like, I like, I was this, like vibe. this is This is a vibe, man. Yeah, this and I want something ocean. different. Yep. This, you know, it's not LA. It's not Dago. It's not the Bay. This is a, like a little beach town. Like if I'm going to be a square, right? If I'm going to be a, a, a dork and not, you know, hustle, then I'm going to do it here. 
right? I'm not going to do it in, in the Bay. I'm not going to do it in LA. So we, whatever, we get married, have this barbershop, go on this honeymoon. On my honeymoon, we're hunting seeds. We went to Africa. We went to Madagascar, South Africa, Mozambique, wow. Zimbabwe. And I'm, I'm hunting seeds, bringing them back, whatever. We get back and, you know, maybe I'm going to grow a little weed for me, just hobbyist level. And I'm going to run this barber shop and I'm going to, you know, sit on this little nest egg we made and tried to try to do something with it and just have some kids and all that shit. Lying to yourself. Lying to myself. Okay. Just lying. And after like a certain point in time, I just like, I couldn't take it anymore. It it wasn't long. It was like maybe six months where I'm like, I, I can't, I can't fuck with this. Right. I can't do it. And, um, I decided that I wanted to, instead of run another delivery service, I want to sell products to other delivery services and other dispensaries. And this is, this is wide open. There are no real brands. Like there's just nothing there in these stores. You're walking into no branding, nothing at all. So it was just wide open and it started with cowboy extracts. And I mean, you got to be a real old head in California to know about cowboy extracts, but cowboy extracts was the first like wax, right? Like the wax consistency or the crumble consistency. I mean, we're talking back in the day when guys were blasting VHO and had no idea how to make shatter, had no idea how to make these things. I mean, the only other like brands that I would say that were out around the same time, well, Cowboy was definitely first, but like shortly thereafter was like West Coast Cure, um, bad fish was like kind of one up in the bay. Uh, rump wax, which at the time then it was guys not wanting to put their name on it, but knowing like, man, I should put something on it because it's better than the rest of the stuff. They didn't know what to do, so they were like, just put this on it. Nothing. It wasn't no thought really. It was like, yeah, I look, like the song Bad Fish. That's why we call it that, bro. Boom. Yeah, it, you you look at the packaging back then; it was ridiculous. Like Cowboy Extracts was the first. I don't know if you guys were around when silicone packaging was like mm-hmm. the thing. So cowboy was like the first company to have those little silicone jars and they had a little bullhead on it. It said cowboy extracts. And our gimmick was we had a hundred flavors. We had a hundred flavors at all times of, uh, of, 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 uh, of, of wax, right. Of whatever. And it was all the same thing. It was just in a hundred different packages. And uh, the, this wasn't necessarily my shtick, but this was the, this was a partnership and there's a guy named cowboy and another guy. And, and uh, you know, they'd make this shit and I would call every dispensary or delivery service in a region every week. And I'd be like, this is doc. I'm coming to town. I'm bringing cowboy extracts. I've got a hundred flavors. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Dabbing wasn't a thing. 
right? Like people weren't dabbing then. It was, the, I gave Bobby Dabs his first dab. I mean, like people just weren't dabbing back then. And it worked every time where I'd, I'd show up, I'd pull out a dab rig, get them higher than they've ever been in their life off like one or two dabs. And then I'd explain to them that this is the new thing. And uh, I have meetings with these four of your competitors today. And if you just buy uh, a thousand grams from me, I need to sell a thousand grams in this region. So if you just buy the thousand grams, then you'll have it. I don't have to go meet with all these other guys. And I would get people to buy them all the time. 25,000 bucks. 20, I was selling 25 bucks a gram. And or no shit. Back then it was 25 bucks a half gram. I'm sorry. Thousand units. I used to half gram 25 days. bucks a half gram. And if they bought the thousand, I would still go <laughs> to these other guys. It, and, and anyway, wow. so we, we, we built this big network for cowboy extracts. And then I realized like, okay, I need to get more products, right? Like this is a thing. This is a, this is a distro before there ever was a distro. You know what? This just a break in. This reminds me of like a guy who graduated as like a CEO and, and had success and then goes, OK, I know how to run a business from the inside. So now I'm going to work with a bunch of businesses right. to help them run their. You know, it's like, you know what they need. So here you go. I knew a cat that made cookies and he made a good cookie and it was popular on our shelves in San Diego. But like that, what there was no package. So then. I went to him like, look, dude, let's put this in a box and let's put a cool sticker on this and let's make a cookie. So we did that. And then like I knew this other guy that was making suckers and literally throwing them in a Ziploc bag and selling them like that. We ordered actual Mylar packaging and created Dr. Bob's medicated suckers. I had a, a dude that made saltwater taffy. We put it in a bag and we created Taffy Man taffies. We 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 did this and and now I had like several reps going to all these places and I mean it was easy as hell because you could just look on weed maps and call and if you had any spit in your hustle you could. You, you have to get past that lowest level employee that answers the phone and you got to confuse them. So you got to bang their line and you got to be like, yeah, this is doc. I was at the high times cup and you guys came up to the booth and told me to call. <laughs> right. So then, so now this low level employee is like, Fuck, dude. <laughs> I wonder who was at the booth. <laughs> Yo, you're, you're right, just, though. You just put like every every sales rep up on wow. game right, right. now, though. It, but real. I'm saying, like, you got to get past that first. You got to call a dog. You're right. Yeah. Because they're the one who takes the sample and smokes it and doesn't give it to the guy. They're the one who's literally like the wall between mm -hmm. you and the actual buyer or the owner. It's designed to, for you never to meet yes. the owner ever. So <laughs> you have to, like, it, because they'd be like, oh, bro, we only take vendors on Thursdays. And I'd be like, okay, man, but like, are you sure? Because homeboy that came to the booth was like, make sure you call. I mean, like, he was really, really interested. And I just, like, I'm going to call 
I, I'd already figured out who was their nearest competitor. I'm already going to call Joe Blow dispensary down the road. Like if you guys were bullshitting, like it's all good. I'll, I'll just holler at them. And then you, you knew you had them when they were like, hold on one second. That's, that's all you had to hear. Hold on one second was just like done. Like panty dropper. It's over. Like that's, that's the done data. You got it. And I, and I got it like every fucking time, man. I, I mean, like I just, I just knew how to get past them and I trained people how to get past them. Yo, I'm here at grow generation. And what do they have? One of our sponsors, Lux lighting. The highest quality components designed in Los Angeles and distributed globally. Go to luxlighting.com to find out more and find out what all the big grows and all the pros are using to grow. Hey, so we want to give a major shout out to a premier sponsor of the show, CanFan. We've been rocking with CanFan since the beginning of this thing. I remember when Black Leaf came to me and said, hey, when you're smoking inside, you should really hook up a CanFan. CanFan with a CanFan fan and then a controller to control that fan so when you're smoking light up boom cut the fan on you don't piss your neighbors off keep everything kosher and i know that blackleaf only found that out because of one reason i mean essential in smoke rooms essential in grow rooms same thing we're killing smell can filters can fans the product line is essential in any grow room we've been rocking it for a decade plus first smoke of the day can filters family smart though all those businesses you pick to it's not like it's like all movement right wax edibles it's like like small edibles too not even big so it's like everything goes quick you're here it's just a distro vibe you know that that like i in those days the only thing that mattered was the size of your menu on weed maps right like if you clicked on an icon and they had a little baby menu you usually would click on one that had a bigger menu because you want to look at more shit and cowboy having a hundred flavors of wax, even though they're all the same thing or two of the same thing or whatever, it just made your menu so robust. And then the cookie guy, I'm like, all right, dude, I need you to make like five different kinds of cookies because the menu can get bigger. And then the sucker guy, five different suckers and so on and so forth. Like basically we just became like menu builders. Um, and that was called top shelf medical supply was like the, the, the corporate entity of, of that. And, um, during the course of having top shelf, uh, cowboy was like our flagship and we, that, that was our bread and butter got in every door and all that shit. I had this competitor rump wax do you guys you guys familiar right. with rump wax it was right before we came out here but there was a tail end when we got out here yeah that, that was like the heady hundred dollar a gram shatter that was the that, that was the the uh the the west coast alchemy the oni hashko the 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 trilogy 710 of then was rump wax Rump wax and like West Coast Cure were kind of like it. And rump, every store I'd get into, rump would get into. And, and over and over and over. And which this guy is like a steaming piece. This, this dude is like the original heady boy, the original like ring on every finger, fancy schmancy dab rig, hat pin with the pyramid and rubies and like a 
you know, just just total douche guy, right? Be careful, man. The heady boys. They don't play. <laughs> you can know, have an army of dudes. They don't play, bro. Fuck Taking with, dabs fuck behind with Doc, you. Homie. Fuck with Doc, right? <laughs> but um, but fucking uh, have bear come pull up. Yeah, our bull. 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 <laughs> Nowadays it's different. It's Russian cats and, and Armenians and Italians. But um, the valley. But yeah, for the valley. But um, no. So Romp got into some trouble, and his business was like. Down, I think they got busted. I think they got busted blasting BHO or something like that. And basically, like, I'm put in contact with him and I'm like, fuck, dude, like, this is an opportunity. I can come up. I can fucking make Rumpwex something. Like, let's go. Um, so I financed this guy. Like, we, 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 we got him back on his feet. We partnered. And, uh, it ended up being a bad partnership. Then it ended up just not working out. Uh, I should have. I learned from that lesson to do a lot of due diligence on your partners and to learn who the fuck you're getting in business with. And just because somebody's hot uh, doesn't mean like you can't work with everybody and you can't say yes to every deal. Like th- like that. That's something that like you got to learn when you're in business is like. Even if it feels amazing, like it might be a piece of shit. It might just be a steaming pile of horse shit. And um, that was a steaming pile of horse shit. It just didn't work out. And uh, we ended up parting ways. And, you know, I unwound my investment. And I kind of decided I'm going to get out of dealing with these fucking brands and go back to growing weed. And, uh, at that time, now we're in like the 2013, 14, you know, type 15 type of area. And um, this is when like Prop 215's raging. Guys are, guys are growing bigger canopies than they'd grown before. You know, you used to have a 20-foot hoop in your backyard. You were like doing something. Now guys are doing like 10 of those and 20 of those and, you know, whatever. and. Up in Slow County, they were about to do that legal, not legal, non-conforming or existing non-conforming uh, license, right? It was like the start of licensing grows with the state and the county in California. A version of grandfathering in existing yeah. cultivations. Exactly. It was a grandfathering in of existing cultivations and. I was sitting in LA with a homeboy of mine that used to be the owner and, and uh top grower for grateful meds. Oh yeah, dude. And which like, is now like capulator spot, which is like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. A staple in LA staple in LA. So the cat was the founder dude and, and very good grower. And we're talking about like, what are we going to do? Like, we're going to grow weed. We're going to grow weed together. Like, what are we going to do? And we're in a coffee shop and we're, we're over, it's this place called tracked here. Like in, I don't even know where the hell tra- Russian area of like Beverly Hills. And, um, we're eating, having coffee, talking about what the fuck we're going to do. And after our conversation, this little Russian man 
walks up to us and is like, excuse me, what were you talking about? And, you know, like basically he wanted to, he wanted to get down on growing weed. He wanted to, he wanted to invest in, uh, in some, some facet of cannabis. So I pitched him this San Luis Obispo thing. Like, let's go up there. Let's buy a farm. Let's fucking get in under this like license cap. Like we'll, we'll have entitlement. We can build a big place. And, uh, and that's kind of like where commercial cultivation of cannabis like started for me. Cause these guys went deep. I mean, they had deep pockets um, and they like, it was, you know, really exciting time. Then a lot of these like counties were coming into ordinances and the, Prop 215 was going out and Prop 64 was like coming in and it was just this, you know, this like really, really um, like pioneering time of like grabbing your uh, your piece of the pie in, in weed. And so we're up there, we get a spot and we start building light up greenhouses. You know, I'm like the first guy that's going to rock a forever flower up there and, and like state of the art with underbed heating and all this shit. And we, we had this beautiful property um, and, and we're rocking and rolling. And then they wanted more. So we got this spot in Gypsy Canyon in Santa Barbara County. And this is like, I don't know if, I don't know how in tune you guys are with like the grow culture of and and like the the scale of cultivation in this state but like it used to be northern california humboldt county mendo trinity lake shasta like all that that was where like the most like like aggregation of growers and grow culture and everything was there in today in santa barbara county there's way more weed than ever has been grown up there because every one of those like historic flower greenhouses for commercial agriculture that, that flooded the central coast is now 100% stuffed to the brim with weed. And we're talking high end greenhouse, not outdoor. A lot of that other stuff you're talking about was a lot of outdoor too. We're talking high end greenhouses running dap. Yeah. Right. So we got there before this happened, right? Those greenhouses were empty. The cut flower industry had moved to Columbia. These places are empty. Ain't shit going on. We were the first on the ground with the big boy shit. And then we got Gypsy Canyon. And that's where Donald Kedix started, right? Like I'm doing this. I'm consulting with the guys doing the some we won't say a brand um out there and i had an argument with them regarding like they thought that you could put a celebrity face on a shitty product and that weed people wouldn't understand like cannabis consumers just would not recognize that this is a trash piece of shit trim filled joint just because it has you know some famous person's face on it and I, and I remember telling them, like, I can make a brand called Donkey Dicks 
And if I put good shit in the jar or good shit in the bag, I'll outsell you guys, right? Like, like as a weed smoker, you are trained from like the first time you ever buy weed to look at it, to smell it, to touch it, like all these things. What other fucking product in the world that you buy do you do that to? I mean, like when you go buy coffee beans at the at the store, are you like inspecting the bean or or anything? They aren't even you, fruit that you eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You, you know what I, mean? I can't like, think of anything almost this, that I expect like weed. Yeah, it's not. It, this is a product that you are like trained to grade from the first time you fuck with it. You know what I mean? Like you just learn that this is good or this is bad or this is pretty good or this is fucking great or this is the best. You know, you just learn all the way through. So I I just always have thought like, you got to have some level of quality. If if you don't have quality, you don't have anything. And you know, that's it. So Donald Kedix started off kind of as a joke right? Donkey Dicks, Donald Kedix. And then I got some really cool branding. And then motherfuckers started calling me Donald. Like to this day, there's a lot of people that call me Donald. And and it's the biggest troll joke in the world. I mean, my branding would be like some farmer standing in a field. And like in the background, there'd be like two donkeys humping like that you could see in the distant background and stuff. It was just this gigantic troll for me. But what it was, was two big things. I was able to prove the power of scale. Okay. Like you grow a lot, you can grow cheaper. When you grow a lot, you can, you know, you can, you can produce more product at a, at a lower cost of goods and you can kind of devastate a market. So taught me that. And then two, I had these kids that were working for me that went to the Cal Poly uh, ag like science program. And they're telling me I can grow weed in the ground. Weed in the ground was not a thing. Like if you're a grower in California pre 2015, and you're telling me that you weren't ordering truckloads of soil to fucking sit there and bang out a post in an above ground bed, like, and then fill that with soil to then grow your weed in. You're a liar. Like you, you, they weren't growing in the ground. And these kids told me that I could not spend the $400,000 on imported soil that I was planning on bringing there and not make these humongous raised beds and that I could literally just rip the ground and amend the ground and bed the ground the same way that like commercial agriculture does in a strawberry bed or a blueberry bed. And I could plant weed in there under a hoop and grow dank weed. And we, we had fought so much on this that I basically was like, if it doesn't work, I'll bury you under this fucking field. So and yeah, this is all or nothing. Yeah. This is all or nothing. Yes. days, Dude, this isn't like, you know, whatever I I'm playing with these Russian guys money. Like what the, you know, growing in the ground, it fucked up. It, I'm sorry. We tried something. Hell no, man. I wasn't fucking around like that. So anyway, we do it. 
And it is a massive success. We grew so much for so cheap. And because we had these other farms going on and I had a ton of flour, we didn't have harvest time here. Sauce. Sauce at the time was 80 bucks a gram. And it was only like a couple companies that would even offer sauce. Uh, and I mean, a lot of these companies aren't even in existence today. And I can't even, I can remember what their logo looked like, but I can't remember their name type of companies. But it's funny because the owners are probably still in the business oh, and yeah. new brands. It's just different names. Exactly. Yeah, Doing yeah. something else. So, um, so we decided to freeze this whole thing. Cause that's a hell of a lot easier to freeze five acres of weed than it is to harvest buck dry, you know, like five acres of weed is a lot of damn weed. And, and like, you know, there's guys out here doing hundreds of acres now, but like you really get tested as a grower. The first time you have to grow, harvest, dry, trim acres of weed. When you've got 300 Hmong people in their little Hmong village trimming your weed and you're filling barns to the ceiling. It, I mean, it, it is truly work to, to get that done. So we froze this fucker, right? And I was looking for any guy in the state that could run live resin to do collabs. Anybody. I just, just take this shit and give me back something that I can sell and we did. So, I mean, I did collabs with like a ton of black market brands like D Dynasty and uh, uh, what is uh, uh, Golden State Labs and um, uh, uh, Flying High Extracts and just, just a number of Cal California Alchemy, all these things. And I, j I just get back these Donald Kedicks, this company. Uh, Wax, right? Like like sauce. Everything was sauce. And I'd go to High Times Cups and I'd get a 20 by 20 booth and we'd brand it the fuck up. Donald Kedix, like with the biggest flags and all that shit. And I would stand in front of the booth with a jar of bright yellow sauce, just like this. And I'd be like, yeah, 20 a gram, 20 a gram. Everything else is 60, 80, everyone around me. And for like the entire year after that harvest, I, I sold every single one of those, that entire harvest, we sold it all in, in one gram jars. Not, not, not one person got bulk of anything. It went all in one gram jars. I would show up at high times. We would have a line through the damn event. Any extract company in the world did not want their booth within hundreds of feet of me i'm having like homeboys of mine that have other companies like we got to have a serious talk like you're fucking shit up but what it did is it proved the power of scale these guys on a little scale it cost them a ton of money to make sauce that's why they had to sell it for 80 bucks i froze a whole damn field of weed that these kids taught me how to grow in the ground i didn't have to i didn't have to uh buy any soil. I didn't have to f fertilize this thing nearly as much as I used to. No I, I electric. Mean, yeah, yeah. Nothing. It was cheap. It was like, it was 
commercial agricultural practices applied on this plant. And I believe it was the first damn time it ever happened. And then we progressed from there. I, I did a grow with the Lieutenant governor of of California under, well, he wasn't at the time he was, he was the Lieutenant governor under, uh, um, Schwarzenegger, Abel Maldonado. And, uh, this guy is a, like, family farm guy. I mean, he, he's, he was a politician, but his family was a big farming family, big ag. I mean, we're talking, I did commercial farming in the Bush leagues on a few acres. This guy is like basically calling me up to the big leagues, right? He had one of his, his like former chief of staff was running around being like a cannabis consultant at the time. And, uh, for, for like licenses. Which means I'll take your money and see if I can get you a license. Yeah, exactly. I know what that means. So, yeah, 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 you know the drill. <laughs> so he's one of those cats. This guy met me. I seemed like the only weed grower that he'd ever met that actually like knew his shit and was like suitable to go and work with the lieutenant governor on a grow, right? And, um, so, uh, anyway, we, how do they seek you out? It was, um, the consultant brought Abel to my grow with his son and they walked around and asked a ton of questions and they were like really impressed. Like, fuck, okay, I get it. I see why you're doing that. I see why you're doing this. And, um, and then like we kept in contact, they asked a couple questions and then just one day. They were like, hey, come out to the house. So I come out to their farm. They got this house on the farm. And Abel gets me shit hammered wasted off of his wine from his vineyard on that farm. Another lesson in life, right? Like that this guy does this to see how I'm going to act when I'm shit hammered wasted. Am I going to, you know, how am I going to act? And I guess I passed the test because we ended up doing a hundred plus acres that year on his joint. We were the biggest damn grow ever that, that ever. This is 2017. Holy we, shit. We bro. did a hundred acres in 2017. In California. In California. Wow. Which is just like, or 2018, 2018. And, and just nobody else was doing that. What so, do you do from seed? No, dude. Clones. We did it from clones. Wow. We did it from clones. My boy, Mitch Davies, up in uh, Patterson, this poor bastard, I would be like, I need 50,000 clones. Like, this just wasn't a thing then. Like, nowadays, you can go to one of these commercial greenhouses and they can get you 50,000 clones. Like, they are running a agribusiness now it is it is truly a scaled ag business but it wasn't then so like for mitch to get me fifty thousand cuts was a feat dude this guy really had to try and i mean sometimes clones would show up with no damn roots and pulling them out i remember sending him videos like fuck you mitch what the fuck he's like fifty thousand, bro yeah, yeah he's literally like i mean at the time it's tough. I'm known as a guy that like I, a lot of people who work for me, you got to be so on. I tell them you got to be so on point 
to work for me, that you better be able to balance your big toe on top of a sharp number two pencil because I am very on point. I'm very on point and I always do what I say. And if I don't do what I say, there is a reason why. And, and just, I'm very, very like proud of how I work and meticulous how I work. And I don't let people fuck off. Right. I don't let, like, I don't let something slide. You start letting it slide. It just always will slide. So anyway, um, able and I do this grow and now I'm like, how the fuck are we going to freeze this crop? Cause like, this is this, I mean, froze five acres. This is like a hundred plus acres. It's gotta be crazy. having politicians walking through a grow that you're like partnered in with them. And they're like looking around just to feel the weed. But we had a license. So he was comfortable. I mean, I yeah, literally remember this time we're like literally vac sealing packs. And, uh, you know, like, I don't know if you remember that there was like some ODB song or something like that where like, he's like, Michael Jordan mows my lawn. And I, and I was like, uh, I was like, I got the Lieutenant governor vac sealing my packs. <laughs> it was, I mean, literally playing like bag it up, bag it up, bag it up, bag it up. Like literally this, this Lieutenant governor sitting there doing this. It was hilarious, man. But, but I mean, fully legal We're white market, I'm selling to like Moxie, at the time, you know, but so we had to figure out how to freeze it. And we get this. I always heard about these cryo conveyors, right? Like cryo conveyor that, that you could freeze things on a conveyor. And that they ran on liquid nitrogen and what the fuck, how the fuck. And um, so I found a cryo conveyor and, and I mean, I don't have a ton of money at the time. So I'm like, finding used cheap shit on eBay that like will work. And I had my homeboy Ryan shout out Ryan, my best friend for 30 plus years. I had him move from Vegas. He was the head engineer at the Venetian to come work with me. Cause I needed somebody who could fix and build anything. And uh, Ryan came out and his first, one of his first tasks was converting this fucking fish stick freezer that I bought that was like from the seventies or something into freezing weed and cryo conveyors work. Like they blow liquid nitrogen into a chamber and then they blow air around and that air freezes everything. So what you have is a bunch of light weed with a bunch of fans and liquid nitrogen going on. So what would happen was the weed would go through, the fan would blow the weed up, it would freeze to like glass, hit this fan, shatter it a million pieces, and then slowly conveyor out this mulch, this just mulched weed that literally was like frozen, smashed to glass, mulched out, and I'm like, we're fucked. Like, how the fuck are we going to harvest this thing without the conveyor? Like, what are we going to do? And anyway, like Ryan worked on this thing and he figured out how to like make all the fans blow down, not up. We used more liquid nitrogen, but then you start seeing this perfect frozen, just like 
I mean, we're freezing 5,000 pounds a day, just, just shitting it out. And I posted a video up of us freezing weed on that scale. And, and back then, I don't know if you guys follow the Donald Kedick stuff, but back then every morning I would wake up and I'd walk through the field and it would start me being like, wake the fuck up. You lazy motherfuckers. I'm in this field. Look at the sunrise. And I would walk for an entire Instagram live and you wouldn't see the same plant twice because I'm just walking my fucking field every morning. And it, it, it got really popular and Donald Kedix like just became like a like a big thing. And then. Partners. You know, we part ways. Lieutenant Governor doesn't need old Doc anymore. He's learned how to grow weed and, and uh, you know, basically buys me out and, and moves me on. And uh, I'm, like, kind of on this vibe of, like, I'm not doing partners, la, 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 la. And um, I end up meeting Nick from Oni. Mm. I end up meeting him through a mutual friend of ours. And at the, at the, in the beginning, like we, he had just kind of like severed ties with Harry Palms and which, which that's, I have a bunch of one-sided knowledge on it, obviously, but, um, I don't have the other side and I wasn't there. So like, I'll never, you know, flat out diss somebody, but, uh, long and short is those guys parted ways and, Oni rose a little higher than the other dude's company. You know what I mean? And it just like Oni definitely won the, that breakup. Like they, they, they won the divorce settlement or whatever, you know? So anyway, like Nick had kind of ridden out like the trop era of like Tropicana cookies being like the King. And then like every hybrid he'd made after that, like just hit, hit, hit. Trop was kind of like, kind of going out of style a little bit. And, uh, only needed to become not a one trick pony. There's like, it's like a certain point in his brand. And that's why the, the mutual friend was hooking us up. He's like, look, this guy's got something special and doc makes things happen. Like I'll put these two together. So we started off, we were going to do a business together in Spain. We were going to do a, a grow in Spain because in Spain, weed was like super expensive. And I go out to Spain and I run around with this crazy cat, Bruno, that is going to be our guy on, in Barcelona. And I'm, you know, I'm going all over Spain and we're looking at grow houses and shit. Like, I mean, it was really reminding me of like the beginning of my weed life. Like, I'm like, fuck dude, we're in houses and like, we're tapping power and like, it's just, you know, a, a thing. But I visited a bunch of grow stores while we were there. Cause I'm always concerned with like the consumables. If you cannot get proper consumables, how the fuck are you going to operate? And like, we're, you know, so anyway, we get there and I'm seeing that they're selling seeds. And this guy mentions that like clones cost a lot of money there and that California genetics are like 50 bucks a clone, 50 euro a clone. And I'm like, 
what the fuck are we going to grow any weed for out here? Let's just do a nursery and sell clones in all these fucking grow stores. So it was a great plan, but I, I ended up just dumping a bunch of money with Nick into this thing. And that Bruno guy ended up being just a piece of crap and he, you know, shit the bed and it never got off the ground and we never got any clone money. I think the dude just like sold our equipment, took our money and left. And uh, I kind of told Nick, like, listen, man, you know, appreciate it. But my, my rule is if you get me in some business that fucks off and we lose everything, like I'm not doing business with you again. And um, he paid me back every penny, which like, I don't know why this guy has rumors of being like dishonorable and shit like that. Like I've seen that. I've seen Nick have rumors online of being like this, like dishonorable piece of shit. This guy, you can call him a million things because he's a character, but you cannot call him a thief or dishonorable. Like this guy really, it bothers him to owe somebody money. It bothers, like he's, he paid me back. He paid me mm -hmm. back in full. Who the fuck does that? Like who enters into a business venture with somebody, both of you fail and one of them feels so horrible that they pay the other one back. Rare. So like, rare. This doesn't happen. So when he did that, I was like, all right, you know, like this guy's a cool cat. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, we started the subject of me buying into Oni and there it's, we landed on numbers and uh, deliverables and, you know, I, I run a business very like, like a real business. You know, you have, you have functions. There are people in those functions. Each function has deliverables. Everybody talks to each other. There's weekly meetings of these four functions that all talk downstream. And then each person that's in charge of a function has their weekly meetings with their team and then individual meetings with every member of the team. Like it's a, it is a very organized tight ship. That's how I roll. That's how like that's how that's how we we win. Okay? That's how, that's what separates me from a lot of my peers is that they're not doing that shit. I I I cannot live without doing that shit. Like I need that constant communication. We need to deliver it needs to be consistent. It needs to be authentic and it needs to be bitching every time. Like, or else I don't want to fuck with it. So anyway, I get with Nick and there's growing pains. Mm -hmm. He's run it one way. I'm running it another way. But I knew that I could take this brand to the top. I'd done it before with a couple other brands. I didn't mention CBD Living Water, but uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's a, that was a big brand. It, it was a big brand. It is a big. It brand. is a big brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was the, that was the biggest. Uh, my my current CEO told me not to curse as much. That was the biggest uh, spear up my mm. rectum I've ever had in my life was CBD Living Water and. Um, we can get into that another day, <laughs> but anyway, so I'll get with Nick and I knew, I knew Oni could be big. I knew Oni could be big. I knew Nick uh, selected things differently. Like breeding is one thing. Selections, another, 
And like this kid selects differently than other people. He's, he's a, he's a sommelier. Like he's passed the sommelier test, which is some of the hardest tests in the world. You got to really have the sniffer. I mean, if you look at a sommelier test, you got to like identify like a hundred different smells blindfolded to like pass. And the level three sommelier test is the hardest test on earth. There is no harder test than the level three sommelier test. I mean, that's the one where literally you can drink a glass of wine and be like, 1982 from this place grown on this varietal, re the, this Appalachia, this varietal of grape, this like just blindly. The most advanced palates on earth. On earth. Yeah. You got to have a advanced palate. So I noticed that it was special with the selections and that, that, that I, I noticed that it had a cool image. It had a very cult following. We did this like tattoo promotion when I came on where if you got the any Oni logo, which there's a ton of them, if you got any Oni logo tattooed on your body, you got like a free pack of seeds. You got um, like a, a dab. You, you got yeah. some bullshit you got little swag. You, you, no, you didn't get hooked up that much. You got <laughs> not for tattooing something on your skin for the rest of your life. Like it's not like we're giving these people like, 50 packs of seeds or something like that. We're giving them a pack of seeds, a t-shirt, couple stickers, dab mat. I thought we might get like five, 10 people do it. We had to stop the contest because we were running out of seeds because we had over 400 people tattoo the Oni logo. And I mean, I'm not talking about like little tattoos. I'm talking about, we got a dude that got it on his head full kneecaps, like neck, like, I mean, crazy Oni logos, Tropicana cookie logos, this logo, like all these damn people were just tattooing. And, and when that happened, I was like, this brand is more diehard than I imagined. And at the time, Nick had only sold seeds. Well, our seeds are known for making the best hash in the game. At, like at the time, it's, I mean, big brands, Oleo, 710 Lab shit like that. Their entire menu offering was like Oni shit. And I'm just seeing this like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like seeds were the only sector I'd never played in, 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 in all of cannabis. I'd done edibles, extracts, drinkables, flour, grows, all these things, delivery, branding. I'd never done seeds. And when I got to seeds, I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like, it costs nothing to make seeds. And you were like, how many seeds come out of this one plant? And then yeah. you're looking at, like, jars. When, when people do it really right, and it's a, depending yeah. upon if it's a male. Or, <laughs> and you're like, this is insane. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at the competitors in the seed game, like big guys, and I'm looking at their operations, and it's like, I mean... Dude, I don't want to diss nobody. Most people are in a bedroom or a tank row. Bedroom, tank row, yeah, yeah. basement. Like, like just, I'm just like, whoa, this is the least sophisticated sector of the market is breeding. And is the most money if you know what you're doing and you can present a product that makes other people rich. You're damn right. I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, we're going to kill the seed game. So I start negotiating with different seed banks and things like that. And I'm starting to learn like, holy shit, seed sucks. 
Like it's not just the unsophisticated, like like grow tech to make the seeds or the, the small scale. It's not just that. And that doesn't suck, dude. Like there's a million guys that grow great dope in a small tent. I'm just saying like I'm used to playing with the big boys and this was like literally the sandbox. And that goes all the way up the chain to like even your best seed banks and stuff. Like there's one or two seed banks that I wouldn't consider to be like Mickey Mouse, like Mickey Mouse ran, you know? And um, I'm like, we're going to dominate this. Like we're going to dominate this. But I ran into so many challenges with seed banks because they're just so wishy-washy. They don't run their business right. And they're, 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 the most greedy guys because it's like, shit, dude, we've got to do all the fucking work and multiple the, years sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Multiple years sometimes. I mean, and that, that was really frustrating. This is some of the, the, the problems that Nick and I had is like, I'm like, dude, bang it out. Give me seats, anything. And he's Put working two, a line. He's yeah. like, no. Like, I remember the first time we got a harvest of seeds. It was the, um, it was the Tropicandy seeds. We'd been working this thing since I started with the damn company. And we finally get the Tropicandy seeds. And I'm like, yes, I can put them in a bag and I can sell them and we can finally make some fucking money. And Nick's like, no, 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 no. We can't sell these. We have to grow these to make sure we can sell these. And that like it devastated me and I was like, fuck dude. I thought seeds was it. Seeds is a pain in the ass and takes fucking forever. But when it's done right. But, right. And Nick just wouldn't not do mm -hmm. it right. And I, even though I tried to fight him a little bit, like, let's just, let's just push him out. Let's just do it. Let's just ride on Oni. He just wouldn't do it. And it's a great thing. He wouldn't do it. But me, I'm a hustler. I got to find the angle. Downstream products. We're known for the varietal. Let's fucking make the downstream products that everybody else is putting in their package with our varietal, but let's make it our selection. Like every one of those jars, it, it's our selection of that specific varietal that Nick picked and we grew, we washed. They, they're, you know, they're, I'm going to make oh. them in numbered jars. I'm going to, you know, do this. I'm going to do that. So that's kind of like the angle that, that I hit, you know what I mean? Was like, this makes more sense yeah, This fine. for a businessman, for someone that's not wanting to spend years and then like, okay, we can finally release this. And then by the time you release it, it's work from two years ago. And right. it's like, but you know, the flavors are starting to change. It is an interesting business. And, and I get, I, it, it is phenomenal. And I got a lot of guidance on this from, I, I got a shout out Bobby Trill. I got a lot of guidance mm. on this because like, I mean, you guys had Bobby on here and I think he shouted me out or something like that. But Bobby's a kid that when I was coming up through all those like rump wax, cowboy extract things, like he's, you know, working in dispensaries and like seeing this and, and like getting these grams of rump wax and, you know, and, and, um, and then like, I knew, I knew him through the network, you know, bo bosses all can talk to each other, right? Bosses all can talk to each other. It's just a matter of like the reach out, right? Like 
if if I don't know this guy, but I know he has a good brand and he don't know me, but he knows I have a good brand. There's some reach out some way. So anyway, I got, I got to Bobby and, you know, I told him like, look, I respect you a lot. Like I see a lot of like the old me and you, you're a hustler, you're killing it. Like you're doing this, you're doing that. And, and he guided me a lot in getting this launched. And really the plan was, okay, cool. Now we're going to grow weed. We're going to make hash. We're not going to sell seeds anymore. We're just going to make seeds, pop every bean, and we're going to keep the varietals we want for our line and anything else that was a keeper will sell to other people. Like, here's your winner. We hunted it from this many seeds and, and here's a winner. Here's a winner. We'll sell them. And while I was doing that, um, just through business, I ended up meeting, well, we had, we had a grow that was off the books, right? We had a, we had a black grow downtown, not far from here. And my next door neighbor was this like high end clothing company. Right, like high end. They made. I I don't want to give up the location, yeah, yeah. but don't, don't they, they they're very very high end curators of some of the like coolest brands that like you pay a thousand dollars for a t shirt of. And I meet these guys and I make friends with them because I gotta grow and they're my neighbor and I don't want to get in trouble and anyway, through this relationship, this guy leads me. He's telling me about this brand, Binsk. Binsk, 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 Binsk. Which Binsk is never played in the legacy market. It's a complete like white market, what we would call like a Chad brand. And it's from Colorado. And it's started by these guys that, you know, they're into weed very heavily, but they're not legacy guys that, you know, they never drove around with a 50 pack in their car, pucker in their butt, whatever. And I'm just turned off. I'm just like, not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. Anyway, they force a meeting, like trick me into a meeting. And I sit down with the CEO and it's this cat named Jake. And dude, I, I had had years of consulting publicly traded companies and l larger companies on scaled cultivation, on cannabis, all this stuff. I had a full uh, consulting business where I would go around the country to all these places and like teach people how to run their weed business. So I've dealt with a ton of CEO types and they all like just really turned me off. They all sucked like corporate sector of cannabis at that point in time and up and, and mostly now a lot of it just, it just isn't, there is a strong disconnect from the actual cannabis industry and how weed grows and how weed sells and a disconnect from the consumer. There's just a strong disconnect. How it's even bought. Right. Everything. They just don't get it. They don't get it. And I sat down. We're in a friggin' warehouse in downtown LA. It's hot. We're sweating balls. And this motherfucker is just like rapping with me and I'm a hustler and he's a hustler and we're rapping and going back and forth and I'm running around the country and I'm, you know, like putting basic every regular, everybody has it weed in my jars and I want something different and I want to like have some longevity behind it. So he bought some cuts for me and then I'm consulting him a little bit. 
And then eventually he like just floats the idea of like buying the company. And basically like I fought it at first. I'm like, you know what? I can raise capital. We've got the hot brand. I can, I can get it in other States and you know, I can do this. Like people really like Oni and we're very strong in the black market. Uh, a lot of very popular brands get really strong in the black market and then pull back 100%, only put themselves in the white, and then their customer base is forced to go to the store. That's like a strategy that, I mean, I can name a bunch of brands that did that. I don't want to put them on blast though, but yeah. there's a lot of major brands that that was the strategy. So I was going to do that and we didn't. Um, I decided that it was probably better to jump on this boat that is already built and headed for land and just show them how to get to the land than it was to build my own boat. So, um, we ended up selling out to those guys, but they kept us all on and gave us all positions. And we have like quite a bit of influence into the brand smart I'm their cultivation director. But that's, that's the one thing that I really respect about these cats is that like they were in the industry long enough to recognize that they didn't know everything. And they, and they, 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 they actually knew very little. They knew a tremendous amount about business, about marketing, about capital raises, about structure, about like everything great that you need to run a successful business, but that culture aspect just wasn't there. And where so many big companies, they like just don't care. They just don't, they almost, they almost mock the culture. They almost mock like the, the actual people that move the boulders out of the road that now they get to walk their penny loafers on, uh, with, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This, the, these guys were the complete opposite. They were like, I want you to find the best cultivators in cannabis. I want you to hire them, put them on one cultivation team. I want you guys, to, we want to give you the resources to do the things that will change the game. And it was just like, if you're going to do that, Hell yeah. It's a breath of fresh air for any girl, businessman, cultivator. You're like, give me the right team. Oh, the right team, the right budget, mm -hmm. the facilities. They allow me to work with who I want to. It, you know, I get to run around. I mean, like if if I was working for some major conglomerate and I told them that the cultivator I wanted to cultivate our stuff in California was a small craft cultivator like Angel City Farms. That's who's doing our shit, Angel City Farms. But um, if I if I told them that, they'd be like, "There's scalability issues," or or that like these guys aren't sophisticated. Angel City's just two guys that have been growing weed for you know twenty plus years that grow damn good dope, but like. 
I couldn't imagine if I was with one of these publicly traded companies, them being like, well, they, they don't have a CFO and they don't have a CEO and they, who, where's, where's their C-suite and their legal department to, uh, you know, sit here and pass papers back and forth with, with each other. Like a big company like that would not have allowed me to work with them where like, this company's like, fuck yeah, the weed's good. This is great. My CEO smokes a lot of weed, you know, like, and most CEOs in this game don't. So uh, th- that's that's kind of where where we're at in the journey. And now, I mean, we've got I've got some of the most sophisticated growers in the business on our team. I mean, like. I can sit here and name drop and I mean, I don't know if I should or shouldn't, but like I've got really top dog guys like kind bill, right? Kind bill invented live resin been growing. We did did 10 years in Florida prison for growing the guy. The guy was a legend when I was back on forums in, in the two thousands, you know what I mean? This guy's on our team. We've got Lauren Wolf, like this cat's a, I've seen him pull off the largest canopies in cannabis. He's like a tissue culture wizard. He's just just a a gangster, man. This guy is a killer. Um, Patrick Gunge, this guy is like the best IPM dude I've ever met. He manages our library. I mean, he's just insane level of sophistication. Albie Wilder, this guy has the the patent on... Uh, increasing the grade value of nutrients. Okay. He's, he is the best fertility guy and cultivator I've ever met. And, and like, they just kept letting me hire like more. like, this guy's great. This guy's great. This guy's great. And uh, they let me assemble this like huge team. And they're letting me build out these like Huge R and D facilities. I mean, nobody in cannabis spends money on R and D. It it's not. Which is like, would you say the most important one of the most important parts? I really do, man. You see this industry today, and it's like, for the last few years, a lot of guys have been running, and they're and they're you know they're selling packs mm-hmm. and and it's moving and shit. But eventually, like I'm talking on the on the like. Not the craft side of the coin, but like the the work weed in Cali, like the mix light and the the cheaper ends and the stuff that like, you know, the commercial weed, right? The commercial dope. Uh, nowadays, it's just all aggregated to the same shit. They, they all grow purple punch, ice cream cake, GG4, and they'll rename those like four varietals. But I get it. They need to because they have to monocrop. When you're running on that scale, you have to run the same plant. Like you run a billion different little plants in a five acre range. One problem here turns into a problem there, turns into a problem there. You just have to monocrop. So like I'm seeing that like without proper R&D, without proper, they've got the hardware without updating the software once in a while inside that hardware, you're, you're out of date. And it's been a huge play for Praetorian, which has been parent company, whatever, to run around and license our varietals and be like, hey, we've hunted 
on scale from 5,000 plants and found one that will perform in your greenhouse the same or better than what you guys are running your purple punch, but it's going to be this weed and we're not going to give this same cut to this guy down the street and that guy. We're going to give them a different cut. And now you guys will grow different weed. It is instant, like, like wide arm hugs, like, please get in here. Because when you're running a weed cultivation business, any bit of flowering canopy that isn't used for production is wasting money. Like, like to sit there and run R&D on even 10% of your canopy, you're losing that money. That's just a loss every time. And half the time, people don't know what the fuck they're looking at anyway. And more R&D space equals more, more veg space, more mom space, more genetics. So it, no matter what, it equals even more. Right. And, and then, I mean, the people just don't understand the care that it really takes in a pheno hunt. You know what I mean? Like we're, oh, Lord. we're hunting minimum 5,000 seeds per varietal. I mean, can you have per varietal? Per varietal. So a cross of two strains, mm-hmm. 5,000 seeds to find the keeper. Very rare. We Very fun, few people can do that. I know, but, but 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 to hunt down the ultimate one plus a bunch of others. Exactly. We find the elite. And I mean, typically out of 5,000, you get 50 winners. You know what I mean? You get 50 like winners. You get about 10 like damn. And, and you get two or three just these are superior cuts. And you get to look at everything. But... When you're hunting 5,000 seeds or, or, or what, I mean, most of these guys are hunting a couple hundred seeds, you know, at, at, at and the that's most. a big hunt. Yeah. A lot of, sorry, most of these guys are hunting a couple packs, two packs or something. And they'll switch up the packs. It's like, I always try to, uh, young growers, it's like buy the, buy multiple packs of the same strain, hunt that same, really chase that keeper, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we, I've just, taken these commercial agricultural practices and applied them to cannabis. So it's like, I know that when they're, you know, developing like Driscoll's is developing a new strawberry varietal, they're not hunting 12 fucking strawberry seeds, dude. They're hunting millions. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, you have to hunt to find the true elites. So, but Imagine labeling every single one of those and then keeping track of what you eliminate and what you eliminate for. And then your list of epigenetic traits that you're looking for. And then the post harvest tests and just all this crap that goes into finding the winner that if one mislabel happens or one cutting isn't preserved or one, any number of, of problems happens the whole hunt's fucked. You're like number 4,927. You go back, you're like, that's the only one we don't have. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. What happened to 4,127? Yeah. Holy hell. Or or they, they labeled it 72 or whatever, man. Mm-hmm. Like it, so it's it's truly a lot of work, and it's more work than any commercial cultivator would want to do or a craft cultivator even it's for like, the passion it's that's for, all it's for it's for the passion yeah. and we truly 
are finding the best plants. We're finding the best plants and we're deploying the best genetics in both the Binsk brand now. Cause that like Binsk went from this like regular schmegular brand to now they have proprietary varietals specific to them that have been hunted in this manner. So like now these guys have fucking good weed in the jar. It's, it's rising like crazy. I mean, Binsk is exploding in California right now. Like, like if you guys look at like whatever metric analytic data, Mm -hmm. Binsk is really exploding in California right now and, and exploding nationally. And Oni is going to come into the same platforms, but we're not in Oni is going to be primarily a hash brand with select flower drops in the, in white market areas. And they're going to be simultaneously timed where like, if we're dropping this flower, like that purple something that I gave you or whatever. Great name, purple something. That's literally the name. <laughs> it's yeah. not 100% official, but I really mm-hmm. want it to be called purple something. But I, I think it, we're pushing for purple something. So when purple something drops, I can drop it here in California, in Michigan, in Massachusetts and Florida, all at the same time, same weekend, you know, type of thing. Um, like we're really hands-on with like picking the the cultivator and the partner for Oni. And then Praetorian, obviously we have all these other cuts that we're not going to use that are bomb. Yeah. That somebody put all this care into all kinds of, I, I, I can't name because of NDAs and stuff, but like, the biggest brands in the world are powered by Oni at this point. The biggest brands in the game, the biggest commercial cultivators, the largest MSOs, like a ton of these guys are really loving the idea that they don't have to hunt because one, they, nobody likes the books hunting. Nobody likes to see burning capital. And then two, they're really not equipped. They don't even know what to look for. They some don't of them. know what you to need, look yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. To curate hunt a keeper. The way we hunt, you need all those guys. You need all those guys that I have that have millions and millions of plants under our belts. We've been, I mean, my most junior guy on the cultivation team has been growing weed for 19 years. That's the new kid on the block. You know what I mean? The the new kid on the block's been growing weed for 19 years. So, like, yeah, right. We just have that much like sophistication and and just heritage. Yeah, in this to know what we're looking for and where I'm selecting on commercial viability and 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 market viability, all the way down to where Nick gets the final look at. How does the shit taste and smell? How does the shit smoke? Like what, what's special about this? So you get like these crazy plants that like are, are very hardy, full of vigor and grow like a motherfucker, but also have extremely unique flavon terpene profiles and that beautiful look, whatever we, we truly do get the best plants because we hunt the most plants and I don't know anybody else in the game that's hunting the amount of plants we are per varietal. And, and like, all I can say is if you want to compete, you better catch up. And <laughs> it, like it, it's, 
it's hard to do that because it's very expensive. Yeah. Like, I have a question before. I know we've gone a long time. I have one more question. So when a, a business deal comes to your table, how do you gauge if you're going to move forward on? Is it all organic or is it something you sleep on? Something like, it seems like a lot of business deals have come your way, whether it's the CBD water, whether it's the Oni, all these things where like, it's going to take over your life for now, the next five to 10 years. Like these moves aren't just like, oh, let me do this on the side while I continue my life. It's like, yeah, now I'm doing this. How do you make that decision at night? Do you, is it organic? Is it, do I like the guy? Is it like, how do I make the decision of like what I want to jump into and get to an exit? Yeah. Like you've met the people. Is it just, I like these people and I like this idea or is it, I'm feeling this. Is it, I see the, I see the opportunity. Is it everything? I mean, it's, it's an ever evolving thing. And, and like nowadays it's, it's a lot different, but usually you know, we're weed guys and you operate with this like level of trust. So you have to be this poker player and read people. Right. So usually I've got plenty of ways that I can like check somebody's personality and and troll them a little bit, fuck around a little bit, see reactions. So like, I got to, you know, gauge the person. I try to gauge their work ethic. Like work ethics, the first thing that'll piss me off because I work eight days a week, 30 hours a day. And if these are guys that are like, you know, I turn my phone off in the evenings and, you know, I'm unavailable on Saturdays and Sundays, like that doesn't fly with me. I got an idea Sunday at 2 a.m. and I bang your line like I like working with people that pick it up. What's up? What is it? You know, like, like action, the action, the passion. Yeah. Let's say, let's have success. Let's make some money. So I want, I want passionate guys. And then I got to really believe in the brand and I got to like, I'm an old head at this point. You know what I mean? I got gray in my beard. Like I'm, I'm a dinosaur uh, to, to a lot of these young kids coming up. And um, it's like, I got to think about it. Like, dude, I don't want to be, 60 years old, uh, you know, sitting around in, in trap distros and things like that, you know? And that's like, so I I also think like, how long will it take? Like how much time am I going to have to invest? And yeah, when I, when I hit Oni, we, we, I got with Oni like two and a half years ago. Gassed up. I, I thought in three to five years, I can have this thing built, branded, well known and recognized, well respected and sold. And we're and and we're gone. And if I want to do another one, fuck it, I'll do another one. But now like with the Praetorian team and like like actually being able to work with like a C-suite level team that respects weed. Like I'm talking about top level people like like top top level people our our like lawyer for this company was from poker stars he was the general counsel of poker stars so was the cfo so uh uh like like a lot of these guys have have just had a lot of success in building and selling businesses operating businesses the right way but where usually when i'd fuck with these type of guys they were just like oh you're just a weed guy 
I'm probably the most respected person on the entire team because they all respect knowledge. They all respect like my vision and navigation through this game. And I mean, look, dude, that's, it's like my, my business game has stepped up exponentially working with people like this. But so, so now I don't even have to think about these things, right? Like I don't have to sit down and gauge somebody because I can sit down and give the deal points and then I can pass it on to someone who's going to do the financial due diligence and the, the, the due diligence to find out if you're sophisticated enough to work with us and make the decision. It just goes down the line. It goes through legal. It goes through financial. It goes through uh, operations. It goes through. And if everybody checks all the boxes and passes all the tests, they're deemed a good partner. If they don't, they're not. And it's like, you don't have to have that moment anymore where you sit down and you're like, I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to like, are you two going to fuck me? Are you two going to gonna <laughs> yeah, d- yeah. do me wrong? Are you going to answer the phone when I call? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do, you know, you don't have to have that moment anymore, but how did I do it back then? I, w- I would really, really put people in an awkward scenario and I'd make them work very, very hard um, do do something that takes them out of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. I, I wanted them to prove that like they were going to be as down for me as I was going to be down for them. Cause if I'm working with you, if you're my partner, I'm banging, you know, T- mm-hmm. Tony and, and, and Kenny over at angel city, these guys are like my cultivating partner in California. I, they're my brothers, you know, mm-hmm. like we are family. We eat together. We, 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 voted together we you know you know what i mean we're boys and same with like these praetorian guys i'm bringing them in i'm like look i'm gonna teach you guys this game i'm gonna teach you guys this industry i'm gonna bring you into this culture i'm gonna force you into this thing i'm gonna take you out of your comfort zone and they're they're rising they're actually getting into it and and like and feeling it it's a beautiful thing that's fucking awesome man really is uh, I guess I, what do we have look forward to in the future? Anything collabs coming up, anything to close on shout outs? Um, yeah, man. I mean, like we're again, legal stuff. So NDAs and stuff, but there's a lot of really cool collabs that are coming up. Um, the Oni is going to be in a lot of markets around the country this year. Uh, and then next year, even more, um, Shout outs. Uh, I'm going to shout out uh, Oni, Nick. Nick. I'm going to yep. shout out Nick. Thanks for not being here. I'm going to shout out my boy Masonic. <laughs> like, I'm partners with Masonic on Masonic's on Fairfax. You better get down there. And I'm sure he's got some four for 200 seed sale, MasonicSeeds.com. Boom. <laughs> uh, 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 I'm going to shout out Trilly. Uh, Trilly really gave me a lot of guidance on the hash and and like that's a kid that I truly respect coming up in the game right now like I really really am proud of him Mm -hmm. Um, I'm gonna shout out Angel City Farms I think Angel City Farmers are the best uh, licensed cultivators in Los Angeles I I do I really do and I, I look through a ton of them to pick somebody and this is who I landed on like I really Truly do. These guys are OGs. They really give a fuck and they grow the weed the same way that we grew it in the black market and they put it in the white market, which just doesn't happen. Um, 
I'm going to shout out my boy, Brew Brew, my boy, Mikey, um, uh, my boy, Ryan. Ryan's my right-hand man, 30-something-year friendship and, and can't do it without him. My entire Cultivation crew and everybody I forgot and everybody that I've worked with, haven't worked with. Fuck with Diamond Cut Exotics. Where do we get Oni Seeds? If we want to get Oni Seeds. We where don't do sell we... seeds, dude. Boom. So we it's just cash. We don't sell seeds. Man, that's so crazy. We don't we... sell seeds. We, we pop yeah. our seeds. Oh. We pop all our seeds. So just know if you got some of those tucked away, whoo, those bro. are gold. Yeah, they are bro. gold. gold. They... Which just by the way, I have a bunch tucked away. <laughs> Lucky guy. But we've been giving the game away. I we've know. been giving the game away. We, 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 we're growing our shit. Mm -hmm. We're finding the winners. And that's that. Dude, the hash is phenomenal. The you have chapters in a book that one day when you're on your deathbed, bro, there's nothing to regret. Holy shit. Like what a, what a st story, what a journey, bro. Honestly, like something to be proud of in my opinion, like it leaves scars. Uh, and you're like, Oh, partners, all oh, this, but what a journey. You that kept is, going, man. One hell of a fucking story. Yeah. And this, and the, the story continues. We have to come here day. and get a part two. You make a lot of moves, man. <laughs> yeah, we got to get Nick, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about some other shit. Let's you talk about get, street. Get yeah, Nick yeah. in here with Ed with, with Masonic. I want to know what it's like being like I can't feed in the ground, walking through a field every morning, dude. But I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it I, was a thing. It was a culture. I dream of it. Fuck with Doc shirts. I'm still. In, I'll be in the grocery store. Fuck with Doc. Like it's just a. It's a thing every morning, man, waking up, walking those fields and, and trying to motivate people and try to get people to think outside the box, push it bigger every time. Push, push this. That's that's it. You know, just push it, man. I'm inspired. I really am um, by your business moves and just uh, inspired like about how like keep going, keep going. Yep. Doesn't matter. Keep going. It's fucking awesome. Fall down eight times, get up nine, you know? It's yeah. Shit. One thing about it, it's a hell of a story. You got a lot of grit and a lot of street sense that you're making make even more sense now with the right people. And that's like the dream for any up and coming hustler is to be able to do their thing and not have to worry about things, which I think, you know, you survived. Uh, you survived bull and everybody else. So I guess you earned it, bro. And, and, and honestly, <laughs> you I earned wanna, it. I want to pull other cats that mm -hmm. I respect that are in the black market or, or, or trying to go legal. I want to, th there's people that I'm going to pull into this. Yeah. Like, like Masonic definitely getting pulled into this, but there's other people that everybody here knows that I'm not going to talk about, but they're going to get pulled into this too. Like if I'm, I'm watching you, I'm watching your brand. I'm watching how you move and I'm looking for, those guys that I'm like, all right, you're somebody that I can pull into this program, push you through the tunnel and you can come out the other end. And I mean, look, man, I never had a bank account. I never had medical insurance. I never had any of these things. Like I get to be a real person now. And, 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 and th that's a big thing for a weed guy. Yeah, it you is. Know? It's a big thing for a weed guy living out of a shoebox. And accomplishing dreams, man, together with a team. Uh, I mean, there's nothing better than that. Uh, shit, you already know it's Doc. Episode 56, first smoke of the day. Oni Seco, peace. Fuck with Doc. Damn, this place is huge. I got to get what I need and get out of here, man. I'm in a rush. What? Whoa.
Blackleaf? Oh, you already what know. What are you doing here? I basically live here. Grow Generation, Can Filters, Power SI, Athena Products, Lux Lighting. Man, I mean, I basically live here. Grow Generation Store is the largest hydroponic store I've ever been to. It's crazy. The largest hydroponic retailer in the nation with over 60 locations, so you know they got one near you. It's growgeneration.com and at growgeneration on Instagram. Tell them first smoke of the day sent you. Yo, what type of silica do you use in your garden? We rock Power SI the original all day long. Take a look at this though. We got the bloom. This right here, this is a game changer for any garden. If you want bioavailable silica, Power SI, first smoke of the day. Yo, welcome to the Diamond Mine, the diamondmine.la, California source for boutique genetics, powered by yours truly, Blackleaf. And you know what that means? That means I'm bringing my best genetics into this. I'm bringing stuff I've been hiding, harboring away, stuff I haven't wanted to let out. We're bringing all that into the diamondmine.la and we're gonna offer that to California. Go on our website, hit the newsletter, and see if you can rock with us. Get on board with some of our genetics and change your garden. The diamondmine.la, powered by Blackleaf. Yo, so I'm here at Jungle Boys Clothing in LA right next to TLC Collective. And when you touch down in LA, make sure you come right here, get your gear, get your smoke. The boys have been playing with fire since 2006. It's jungleboys.com and check them out in Florida if you're in the area, the whole state. Let's go, welcome to the jungle. Athena Nutrients, cost-effective plant fertilizers and pest control, built and tested by legacy growers in California. For more information on Athena, go to athenaag.com or follow Athena on Instagram, at athena.ag. We'll see you there. Hello guys, Alex here, owner of Mango Tech Store. We are the house of Trollmaster. We are the house of ThinkRow. Whether you're growing commercially, growing at home, or growing in a tent, we got you. Come see us. We got the best pricing, best customer support. Nobody can beat us. Mango Tech. Like I said before, with the house of Trollmaster and with the house of ThinkRow, we got the new lifters in-house. Order up. Yo, I'm here at Grow Generation, and what do they have? One of our sponsors, Lux Lighting. The highest quality components, designed in Los Angeles and distributed globally. Go to luxlighting.com to find out more and find out what all the big grows and all the pros are using to grow. Hey, so we wanna give a major shout out to a premier sponsor of the show, CanFan. We've been rocking with CanFan since the beginning of this thing. I remember when Blackleaf came to me and said, hey, when you're smoking inside, you should really hook up a CanFan. Can fan with a can fan fan, and then a controller to control that fan. So when you're smoking, light up, boom, cut the fan on. You don't piss your neighbors off, keep everything kosher. And I know that Blackleaf only found that out because of one reason. I mean, essential in smoke rooms, essential in grow rooms, same thing, we're killing smell. Can filters, can fans. The product line is essential in any grow room. We've been rocking it for a decade plus. First smoke of the day, can filters, family.